Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Good morning, everybody. It is 10 o'clock on the news. Thank you, Howard Eskin. I'm Glenn Macnow along with Mike Sealski, Inquirer columnist. Uh, quick preview of the show before we get into our first topic. During this hour, and we will not wait too long, we, and by we I mean Mike will take the lead, are going to skewer the sham of a fraud, of a travesty, of a mockery of an organization that used to be known as the Flyers and has basically disappeared from any public attention scene relevance. There's the word. That's a lot of nouns, man. Yeah. Um, so Powerful that's, nouns. That's going to that's gonna all happen this hour. We're going to start with the Eagles, but I, you and I were both uh, fairly disgusted with kind of the inaction that happened yesterday. And just it call, all kind of leads up to Yeah, there's a difference between – not caring about a team anymore and getting fired up about a team when it does uh, something that isn't good. And the Flyers crossed that threshold, I think, yesterday with what they did or didn't do with the trade deadline. So we're going to get there. Going to get there. Please stay tuned. But we got to start with this. Mike, the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. You, we, we really? Know, we know this. Yeah. It was, it was tough to handle. Mm-hmm. It was disappointing loss. But at the time, I was really uh, – I appreciated that they handled it graciously, and Jason Kelsey hugged his brother, and James Bradbury said, yeah, I, I held him, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was a cheap call, but he didn't blame the officials. We did a little bit, but that's okay. None of the Eagles said we lost because of the terrible field, or, you know, and, and, and we moved on, mm-hmm. and we were proud of our team. Now, <laughs> weeks later – Yes. There's a whole other perspective coming from several Eagles players, and, and I think it's a bad look. I want to start with the most recent. Darius Slay has a podcast. Who doesn't? Uh, and the other day, it basically was, hey, don't blame me. We were great.
right. All right. Enough. 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 First of all, I do like the musical accompaniment. That's, oh, yeah. That's a good touch. We uh, need more of that on our show. Juju. We can uh, do that. Dan can do that. Can we get some Neil Diamond on here? Can we? <laughs> um, and, of course, Juju Smith. Juju is Juju Smith-Schuster, who yes. yapped after the Super Bowl. So, Mike, you just heard this. Mm-hmm. What's your takeaway? Well, a couple things. Um, first of all, in fairness to Darius Slay, uh, there's an earlier clip on the podcast in which he acknowledges that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes pretty much outsmarted and tore the Eagles' defense apart in the second half. And he acknowledges that they were confused on those two late touchdowns where the Chiefs receivers were wide open and the Eagles' defensive backs were confused and yelling at each other and pointing at each other. So so I think it's wrong to frame this totally as Darius Slay is whining about uh, how people are not pointing out how great the Eagles were or something along those lines. But there's a couple things that are wrong there in what Slay said. First of all, the reason Patrick Mahomes only threw for 180-whatever yards in the Super Bowl is that the Chiefs ground the Eagles in the dust in the second half by running the ball down their throats. Mm -hmm. So Patrick Mahomes didn't need to throw for 300 yards. It wasn't as if the Eagles' defense was shutting Patrick Mahomes down in any regard. He didn't get sacked. He didn't really get hit. And there were receivers running wide open all over the place. What was Shield Kapadia's stat? We talked about it a couple weeks ago on the show. The Eagles had one pass defended in the entire Super Bowl. So... Look, a lot of this to me is the nature of athletes on social media. They are going back and forth at each other on Instagram, on podcasts, on Twitter. And finally, I would say this, Glenn. He's Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, let him rub it in your face. Why do you care? Why are you giving this air? I I agree. I I agree with you. And, And I'll say I think it's irresponsible for a leader of the team as Slay is, to put out a message that is really not true and, to me, kind of divisive. It wasn't lights, camera, action. No. They they couldn't make a stop the entire second half. Take some accountability. Yeah. They lost. They had no sacks. I understand he's a defensive back, but that defense had no sacks. They gave up a 10-point lead. Kansas City, as you said, they averaged six yards a carry. Yep. uh, In that second half. They, they, They... the Eagles were the first team in Super Bowl history to score 35 points and lose. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe Slade doesn't see himself as responsible for any of that. He didn't make the lousy punt. He didn't fumble. But that's a tunnel vision that, to me, comes across as selfish. Mm. When you say, hey, we were all lights, camera, action back there. It's it's not great for team morale. Um and by the way, let the record reflect that he's one of the guys that got confused on one of those touchdown passes, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, he absolutely was. Yeah. Um, um, and J.J. Smith-Schuster, you can make fun of him as much as you want. He had seven catches in that Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think some of this, Glenn, and Slay is not the only player in the last week or two who's been out there on social media, not the only Eagles player, Yep. expressing frustration to one degree or another with what happened in the Super Bowl. A.J. Brown has been fired back, J.J. all the way to the championship game and the outcome doesn't turn out the way you would want it to or the way you expect it to. But at some level, guys, you just kind of have to say, you know what, they were better than us on that day or we didn't have our best, we didn't give our best effort and you just got to take it. That comes with losing in the big game. And I don't like what Juju Smith-Schuster's doing either. I think 
on the list of reasons that the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions this season, if there are 60 things on that list, Juju Smith-Schuster might be number 45 at best. But he's talking. And just let him talk. There's nothing you can do about it. I love this team. This was a great season. Um, they lost the Super Bowl. Yes, please. But my God, it was a thrill. And they went. They surpassed everybody's expectations. Just please lose graciously and don't make excuses and don't tell me how you played lights out. And, and I just want to move on and remember it for the great season it was with all, without all this stupid byplay. Well, you know what, Glenn? What's heartening about it, I think, you know, to your point and from your perspective, is that who's the one guy, or one of the guys, I should say, who hasn't been engaging in that way? It's quarterback. Yeah. Quarterback. You haven't heard Jalen Hurts say anything nope. along these lines. And you won't. No. And you won't. And, and the last thing I want to say on that, because that was a very good segue, and unfortunately I'm going to run over it. But That's but okay. Hold on. That's why I teed it up for I, you. It was a very good segue. I'm learning we, this radio we, thing. You are. You definitely. <laughs> we, we snickered at, laughed at, resented the San Francisco 49ers and their fans when the Eagles beat them for every excuse and, and lame thing they had to say. Yeah. Let's not be them. Exactly. We lost. It was a great year. We lost. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me anything else. Don't tell me when Gardner comes out and, you know, points at the coach and says they didn't put us in position to win and when and Slay said, just like, we lost. Yeah. So you're right. I'll go back to your segue because it was great. Um, which is moving ahead. And, and and looking at it as we move ahead, the the biggest and first order of business this offseason is going to be signing Jalen Hurts to a new deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to get. I mean, several hundred million dollars for lots of years. Right? Yeah. Uh, my colleague, our colleague at WIP, Marcus Hayes, wrote a column last week, I think, suggesting that the Eagles should give him $250 million guaranteed over five years. I don't yeah. know. I, I, you know, I don't. I, I can't say. I think it's in their interest to try to do it quickly because you have those other quarterbacks mm-hmm. who are going to be signing, and the market's only going to go up. Right. You don't want somebody else to set the market and the yeah. price for what you so have to pay. So move fast. But how he came out this week, Howie Roseman, Eagles general manager, and said something that kind of raised my eyebrows. This this uh, cuts about thirty seconds long. Start like six seconds in, if you would. And um, it's really at the end where yes. he says the part that's intriguing. Tremendous respect for him as a player, as a person. Tremendous respect for the people uh, that work with him to do this. And um, you go through it in a way that you, you want to find a win-win solution. You want to find something that he feels really good about and at the same time that we feel good about and um, surround him with good players. And um, he knows that. I mean, he's a smart guy. He understands that. And um, that doesn't mean that uh, it's not going to be a tremendous contract for him because he deserves that too. What did you catch? Surround him with good players. Yeah. And he knows that. And he knows that. What is that? What do you infer out of that? Here's what I infer from that, which is this is gamesmanship by Howie Roseman. Knowing that the more money that Jalen Hurts costs the Eagles under the salary cap, the harder, theoretically, it will be for Howie Roseman to acquire and keep good players around Jalen Hurts. And so... This is Howie winking at the fan base to say, hey, if you want this team to be good, you need a quarterback who doesn't take as much money as maybe he could so that I can go acquire this guy or keep that guy and make sure we can get back to the Super Bowl. 
and that's exactly what I took the same thing out of it. And and Howie's not a bad guy, but I think he's being a little devious there. Yeah, um, I agree. And so here's the thing. There is a narrative now starting to develop. And yes, listen, it is among some of our colleagues here at WIP mm-hmm. that Jalen Hurts should settle for less than his market value. That he's not a real team player if he doesn't do so. Because remember, Tom Brady did this right. once upon a time. By the way, I think it was like four contracts in for Brady. Yeah. He, had already, <laughs> he had already earned enough, but whatever. Right. And that if Jalen Hurts is really a good guy and a team guy, he's got to take less. Give that hometown de- discount a lucky bar to play here. Listen, the guy deserves all he can get. And I think what it's doing is it's setting him up with the fan base to be the to potentially be the bad guy, mm-hmm. if he seeks his fair market value and doesn't sign for that discount or whatever it is, then he's a bad guy. Um, even though he's worked his whole life to get here and he you know he's done everything right and he's 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 going to be selfish if he expects to be paid commensurate with his talent. He's not the GM. He Jalen Hurts is not the GM. This is not his problem. Right. This is not his responsibility. Um, and he's 24. If you expect him to be here for the duration of whatever good, great years he has ahead, with the cap structure and so on, he, he he's got to get what the market bears. And I think it is really unfair for Howie who didn't quite exactly do it, but for some people in the local media and some fans mm-hmm. who are directly saying, yeah, he might be able to get $50 million a year, but if he's a real team player, he'll take less than that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's really unfair to this kid who, as you said, is a great kid. Yeah, and the one uh, addition I'll make to your reasons for why Jalen shouldn't listen to Howie is, look, you're right, and we've discussed this before, it can be more challenging for a general manager once he signs a quarterback to you know, a life-making contract, let's call it, to build a great team around him because he has less space under the cap. Now, there are certain quarterbacks for whom that doesn't matter. Clearly, Patrick Mahomes you know, is worth every dollar. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, we all know the names, okay? And I understand that teams are a little skittish about this thing um, because there are contracts out there that didn't work. Carson Wentz. Eli Manning, a second or third contract. Joe Flacco, after he won the Super Bowl. You can point to certain examples where teams really hampered themselves because they gave a contract to their franchise quarterback, and that quarterback didn't meet the measure of that contract. Number one, that's not Jalen Hurts' problem, as you said. Number two, the other factor you have to take into consideration here, Glenn, I think, is the nature of football. You know, I just did a story this week about Irv Cross, who anybody who's familiar with the NFL from the 70s, 80s, and 90s will remember as one of the voices on the NFL Today on CBS. He was a great defensive back for the Eagles, and he died two years ago at 81 with what? CTE. These players today need to get as much money as they possibly can because this sport damages them. And I'm never, ever going to criticize a player for taking for trying to extract every dollar he possibly can in the moment he can possibly get it. Mm-hmm. And if that hampers the Eagles in the moment and it makes Howie Roseman's job tougher, so be it. 
This is the way market economics work. This is the nature of football. Right. Jalen Hurts has to look out for Jalen Hurts. After all, we're all capitalists. Here. Exactly. <laughs> Aren't we, Senator? <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Chuck from Hatboro starts us out. Hello, Chuck. Oh, I can't believe I got on. There you go. Uh, I, I wanted. I haven't got over the Super Bowl loss, and the only thing that I could say is I was worried that the, the coaching staff was not good enough to win the Super Bowl. And here's what, why I say that. <clears throat> Gannon changed his whole procedure that he did all year long with rotating the defensive linemen. Now, the, de- the worst defensive lineman on the Eagles against the run was Fletcher Cox. He had the most snaps of, any, of all the linemen. Hargrave, I think, was the same amount. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. best defensive lineman that we had on the ends against the run was Brandon Graham. He had 18 snaps. Fletcher Cox had 42. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he did, and I'm sure they, they in, in the upstairs, they say, hey, you know, this is why the snaps are going. I blame Sirianni for not going over to Gannon and saying, hey, let's get Graham in and Fletcher out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, same thing with the defensive lineman. Uh, yeah. All right. Chuck, Chuck, let's, all right. Hold on. You, you made your Chuck. point. Hold yeah. On. Yeah. Look, Jonathan Gannon did not coach a good game in the Super Bowl. I think everybody acknowledges that. Um, I think more to gl- what Glenn and I are saying is um, we all know the reality of what happened in the Super Bowl. We all know the Eagles defense got torched. There's no need for Darius Slay and C.J. Gardner Johnson and other players either on the defense or the entire team to make excuses for it or, or act like the, the taunting of a player on the Chiefs is getting to them. Let it go. You, you were not the better team that day. We all get it. Move on and, and go get start resting and getting ready for next season. You're right about that. That's it. it. doesn't have to be for the fan. Except for responsibility. Yeah, as a fan, you can be angry. I get it. I'm yeah. trying. Yeah. Chuck, I'm trying to recover from this thing. I'm doing, I think, a little better <laughs> than I'm you. I'm having a hard time <laughs> I get doing it. it. I get so it. So that's, that's why I, play. I, I wonder if Sirianni is the coach that can go to a defensive coordinator. Oh, he can. Uh, I have no doubt. Yeah. I mean, he, he may have got no. he may have gotten lost he, in the moment. Here's, um, the, here's the thing, too, Chuck, and, and thank you so much for the call. Um you know, in the heat of the moment, Sirianni is probably not the guy on the coaching staff who is tracking how many snaps yep. Fletcher Cox is getting Somebody upstairs. during the game. Somebody upstairs is doing that. Um, is it possible that by not rotating the linemen, Jonathan Gannon hampered the defense that much that the, the Chiefs torched them in the second half? I suppose it's possible. I also think part of it is Andy Reid's just a better offensive coach than Jonathan Gannon is a defensive coordinator. That's no, it. No doubt about that. Listen, I get it. He can't get over it. And, yeah. and it's going to take people a long time to get over it. I understand. It is. It is. 215-592-9494 is the number. We certainly want your calls on these two Eagle issues. And I'm curious if people agree or disagree, because I did hear a good amount of talking on the station this week, much of which would disagree with Mike and I. That's not Jalen Hurts' responsibility to make Howie Roseman's job easier. Right. Jalen Hurts' responsibility to get the best contract he can get. Uh, how do you feel about that? And, yeah, coming up, we will also bring up the sad sack of a disaster of a travesty 
Uh, give me a couple more. Uh, add, add I was going to say, here. Glenn, you are ready to quote Al Pacino in Incent of a Woman. You're going to take a <laughs> flamethrower to this team. That yeah, deserves it. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94. <laughs> you wanted it. You know, you, you couldn't come in with some Holly Holy or I Am, I Said. You, you got to give me the cliche, Sweet Caroline. You well, said Neil Diamond, I gave you Neil Diamond. Yeah, uh, but he gave you, the, gave you the, the, the karaoke version, so he was expecting that you were going to sing oh, along. You can expect anything you want, Dan Wilson, Come on, but it man, ain't happening. sung on a stage. You could do it in a studio. This is not a stage. This is a radio show. Well, it's not performative, is it? <laughs> not at all. all not right. at all. All right, let me, uh, let's get Tom in Downingtown here talking about the Hertz contract. Tom, what do you think they ought to do? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Great. Good. I got a real unpopular opinion for you. You ready? Yeah. Hit us with it. Don't, don't sign Jalen Hurts. Don't re-sign him. And, mm. and, I'll go, and, and I'm going to go further. I'm going to say I don't think the Eagles should ever re-sign a quarterback to a second contract. And here's what I'm, here's what I'm getting at. It has nothing to do with Hurts' abilities because he deserves to get paid. But what we've seen over the past seven years or so now is that Howie is really good at building a playoff and Super Bowl caliber team when he's got his quarterback on a rookie deal. Mm. He's able to, I mean, with Wentz, he was able to uh, bring in uh, players with uh, Hertz. He was obviously able to bring in players. And once you sign that quarterback to that, to that huge deal, the ability to sign players like A.J. Brown or, you know, right. uh, fill in gaps midseason when somebody goes down – that all goes away. All right. This, and, this is and, an interesting concept. You're not the first to ever say it. The question that we would obviously ask you is who's the quarterback? Well, I think what you have to do is, you, you know, may, maybe this is going to be a trend five years from now. If you get running quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, you're going to have to start treating them like running running backs okay. and realize they, have, so they only have a short shelf so life. So who's the next? So we have a team now. Yeah, that went to the Super Bowl and and expects to come into 2023 yep. as one of the elite teams in the NFL. Yep, we'll have among the best odds to get back to the Super Bowl. We can see a championship. Who's going to be the quarterback in your mind? I, I think. Well, okay. So first question is: Hertz has one more year left on his he contract. Does. Yes. He does. Okay. okay. So you draft another quarterback this year and or sign a you know five, seven-year veteran as the backup or, you know, Ooh, you, you somebody to groom. <laughs> no, 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 not Minshew. But, but you, you, start, you start the cycle yeah. where you draft somebody this year, you let Hurts go, you have that next quarterback come in two years from now, or you have somebody who's got five, six years experience who can bridge yeah. a gap until you see somebody so in the draft. I, I, that I, you I'll certainly invite Mike to speak. Look, mm-hmm. I, you're not the first to say it. And I understand the logic. I just, to me, when you have a guy like Hertz, who figures to be one of the five best quarterbacks in the league for potentially a decade, those are not easy to replace. I pay him, Mike, you say. Yeah, Tom, we have talked about this, Glenn and I, on this show before. And like Glenn, I see the logic in it. And to your point, Tom, I think there is going to be eventually an NFL team that tries this. I think... The Baltimore Ravens, with their refusal to pay Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. right now, yep. might yep. be the team that gives this a shot. I think two things stand in the way of it happening in the way that, that you're describing. Number one, and, and thanks for the call, number one is that when you hit on a quarterback like the Eagles hit on Hurts, 
the natural impulse then is to lock the, lock him in. You know, you it's harder to turn over at the quarterback position off of a guy who just took your team to the Super Bowl and was incredibly great in that Super Bowl. The second thing is, and this has nothing less to do with what's on the field than what's off the field, owners want to make money. And one of the big ways that they make money and raise their profile and raise the profile of their franchises is by having a great quarterback who stays there for a long time and becomes, for lack of a better way of putting it, a pitch man or a cultural icon. Nobody gave a damn about the New England Patriots until Tom Brady became a superstar. Patrick Mahomes is on those State Farm commercials all the time. That is a big factor. Let me just say, all the damn time. (laughs) That is a big factor in why owners in the NFL want to find franchise quarterbacks. They want to find superstars. They want athletes wearing their jerseys who are part of the water cooler conversation. And Jalen Hurts is going to be one of those guys now. Yeah, the face of the franchise. Yeah. And great. And and I get his logic. Listen, if I'm the New York Giants right now, and I got Daniel Jones asking me for $45 million, I am of the mind to think, you know what? Let him walk away. Let him walk away. And you're right. The the Ravens are in that situation where that's, that's, that's not an easy call. Mm-hmm. This is an easy call. Yeah. This is the guy. This is the guy who can be Patrick Mahomes. This is the guy, who, again, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league for years to come. I don't dispose of that. No, th- this was a discussion we were having at the beginning of the Eagle season when nobody knew exactly how good Jalen Hurts was and was going to be. It's not a discussion you have now in the wake of the Super Bowl. All right, Mike, I'm going to change the subject for a moment. Please, the people around to talk about Jalen Hurts, stick around with the Eagles because we're going to do that all day, but I want to introduce another topic here. Mike, I am going to take you back. This was the other night, oh, probably around, just around 10 o'clock, at the Wells Fargo Center, this noise. It's a pretty loud ovation. That's very loud at the Wells Fargo Center. You know what that was? I do know what that was, but I'll let you say it. That was the moment that the New York Rangers, the stinking New York Rangers, scored an overtime goal to beat the Flyers in front of the most embarrassing, single most embarrassing crowd I have ever seen in Philadelphia where it was completely taken over by a visiting team. Um, I'm just going to introduce this this way. People will ask me sometimes, reach out to me, and, I, and I'm sure you have saying, like, why, why do you even bother to talk about the Flyers? Nobody cares about the Flyers. Why do you talk about the Flyers? I know there are other hosts on the station who they, they're not going to talk about the Flyers. It's not good for ratings. I get it. However, to me, it, it is this. This city was a vibrant four-sports town for decades. Mm-hmm. Those teams all mattered. They all was up and up and downs. The Sixers clearly went through a very dry spell. The Phillies in the 90s into the 2000s all went through a dry spell. But the teams always mattered. The Flyers, like the Eagles, like the Sixers, like the Phillies, created decades of memories Thousands of good memories for fans in this town. Every franchise has an ebb and flow, but they all still matter. The Flyers, ownership and management has taken that away. Mm. They've stolen the franchise from the city. They wore down the fan base to the point that stinking Rager fans can come in and take over. So why do we talk about it? Because this is a four-sport city, and when one of those franchises is dying in front and the fans have given up, I, we, Mike, and I know Jody, who I work with on Sunday, all feel this way. 
that we got to talk about it. So, Mike, I hope I didn't say too much, but I give it to you. No, what I would add to that, Glenn, uh, you spoke very eloquently just now of the substance of what has happened with the Flyers, which is to say one playoff series victory in the last 11 years, um, the irrelevance, the lack of identity, the lack of quality of play. They're not good. They're getting worse. All of those things. What I would say, and and part of the reason we're bringing this up is what's happened this week. The, yesterday, the NHL trade deadline came along, and the Flyers really didn't make a major move. Uh, they still have James Van Riemsdyk, who's an unrestricted free agent on their roster. They should have traded him. Chuck Fletcher didn't. It was just an embarrassment that he wasn't able to move James Van Riemsdyk for a bag of pucks. The, the one thing that always stands out to me about the Flyers, and this is true of the organization, and it's also true of the people in the main, I feel like, who follow them and have covered them for a while, which is the refusal to speak frankly and honestly about where they are as a franchise and what it takes to be a successful franchise in the National Hockey League. There's a lot of hemming and hawing and looking on the bright side and all this kind of stuff, and the Flyers haven't been a respectable NHL franchise for a long, long time. And the reason they haven't, to me, is that they never adjusted to the reality of the league as it is now. Never adjusted to a salary cap. It was easy to be great when Ed Snyder could snap his fingers and open his checkbook and solve any problem that he perceived the Flyers to have. It's not that way anymore. And the Flyers, to me, do not get the scrutiny of other franchises in this town. And it has led in part to the condition they're in now, where... The people who love them really, really love them. And the people who like hockey really, really like being around hockey. And they are not taking hard looks at how this team got to this point and the decisions it has made. The one foot in, one foot out on a rebuild. Mm -hmm. Hey, fifth most improved team in the NHL. That drove me nuts! Yeah. The general manager the other day is defending his piss-poor, hideous job performance by saying, we're the fifth most improved team in the NHL. Sorry. No, it's okay. You're in a good flow there, but I I couldn't resist that. I'll close with this. And I made this point in a column I wrote yesterday. Great column, inquire.com. Read it. So you and I I have batted around Sam Hickey and the process with the Sixers. Mm -hmm. Some people hate it. Some people thought it was brilliant. You have to say this about Hickey and the process. No matter what you thought of it, the smartest thing that he did was at the start of it say, this is what we're doing. You might love it. You might hate it. It might not work. But this is our plan, and we are going to follow it. The Flyers, for the better part of two decades, have not done that. They haven't had a plan. They haven't been able to explain anything close to what a plan is. And people feel like they're being sold a bill of goods. Mm -hmm. They don't believe that the organization really, truly knows how to get back on track. They don't. The people are right. They have no clue what they're doing. They have no viable plan of what they are doing. Uh, Nicely said, by the way. Um, This franchise has been stolen from the city, and that's that's the part that just drives me the nuts. When New York Rangers fans take over a building in Philadelphia, could you imagine Dallas Cowboy fans dominating at the football stadium? Not not to that degree, no. I mean, there have been occasions when the Eagles were – I mean, look, I can remember – the Eagles, the first playoff game they had under Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb, local teams, yeah, don't 
a little bit different. It's not that visiting fans came in and right. took over because right. there is so, so little interest. They've stolen the franchise. They wore down the fan base to the point where that can occur. They have killed a viable sport in a city that cherished the orange and black. And I understand they were always the fourth franchise, but they had a good, viable fan. 17,077 at mm-hmm. every time. And, and during the Lindros era and so on, they filled that Wells Fargo Center or whatever it was called at the time. And it was always exciting. This is my point, though, about being clear-eyed and realistic and honest about where you are as a franchise, though, Glenn. When the NHL came out of the salary cap era, the Flyers still tried to do things the I, way they I had always ya. done them. I hear you. You know? I don't disagree with you. And I know you you had your, your battles with Ed Snyder over it. I respect that. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm... I'm agreeing with you, but but my point in bringing that up is to mm-hmm. say that I do think some of the fan some of the fan base has been conditioned because certainly the Flyers have been to thinking that you can fix all this in one year quickly. You still think because I think the fan base is I, I think gone, is done. Well, I I think that's You're getting six thousand people a game, Mike. No, I know, I know, and I think what the franchise needed to do a long time ago, and that's why I bring up the Hinky example is to be honest. I think the fan base, whether you're talking about the Flyers, the Sixers, or any Philly team, that's what they want. Here's, here's what we're doing. Here, we are facing reality. This is where we are. This is where we've got what we've got to do to get back to where we want to be. It's going to be hard. The Flyers have never been willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Never. And you. so that's led to, that stoked the apathy and the anger you see now. I hear you. And the only person who is being honest is John Tortorella, by the yeah. way who is playing an interesting game of speaking over ownership and general manager. He was on the other radio station the other day and said, we got to get a better product. You can't do it with gimmicks and free stuff. I read that as gritty and insomnia cookies. Mm-hmm. And try to bring people in that way. The way to people get, the, get people in the building is to win. He said a lot more than that. Look, I cared about this team, and I know a lot of people who did. I love this sport, and I know a lot of people who did. Philadelphia is now a three-sport town, four if you want to count the Union. Mm -hmm. It is not a five-sport town or is not a four-sport town, including the Flyers. They are not a professional operation. They are not a major league franchise. They can't even get the game on stinking TV on their own network. Yeah. It was was embarrassing. it's, it's, It's disgusting, and it's embarrassing. Thank you for allowing me to vent and, and uh, no, you, thank you a little bit. No, there you go. I, I think this is a terrific discussion topic. I've never understood, you know, whether it's radio hosts or TV stations not wanting to talk about the Flyers. Is the fan base as big as the Eagles or the Phillies or even the Sixers? Of course not. But, boy, when the team was good, it was as passionate and locked in as any fan base, and people care about it. All right, so I'm looking at the board. Next segment, we're going to take all calls, and it is a real split. Uh, let's see. Lou wants to talk about Flyers. Jack about Howie's comments. Drew wants to talk about the Hertz contract. Joe about Hertz and the Flyers. So you're you're all there. We're going to get all of you coming up. Thank you for allowing us to to do this. That felt good. Although I'm still mad. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we'll take your calls coming up. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Mac, now let's take some calls, see what the people think. Lou okay. in Mount Laurel starts. Hey, Lou. Hey, Glenn. How are you, Mike? Doing great. Hi, Lou. Glenn, Glenn i, I got to tell you, I've never been more embarrassed, and I've never used that word before. I'm embarrassed to be a Flyers fan right now. Yep. They're, they're rudderless. They're heartless. They're soulless. They're gutless. And when, you're, when your most recognizable feature or person on the team is a stinking Muppet, there's a problem. Get rid of the mascot. 
scrap it. It's horrible. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Hey, Luke, could you, like, tell us how you really feel about the Flyers? It's, har- my, it's, har- no, it's horrible. The other night, I didn't think, Glenn, you, you, you took the words out of my mouth. Can you imagine Dallas fans overtaking the link? Mm-mm. Can you imagine that? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And we've and we've had those we've had those Phillies Mets games late yeah. in this season with Phillies irrelevant. Gets, but they've never taken it like that. No, and, and you know it was kind of the perfect like conglomeration or confluence of events too, because the Rangers had just traded for Patrick Kane, so you knew that there were going to be fans trying to get tickets to that game in the hopes of seeing Kane make his debut yeah. for the Rangers and make, th- there make was. his debut. I may score another garbage overtime goal that ends our Stanley Cup. I'm still not over that. They haven't adapted to the league. They've never adapted to the rules. When everybody else was getting quick, puck-moving Russian defensemen, no, 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 we still need our, quote, muckers and grinders because that wins. Now, we don't need stud goalies. We'll get journeymen who can't stay healthy or who can't stop beach balls. It's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. And I can only imagine Chuck Fletcher at the end of the trade deadline yesterday when people say, Chuck, you didn't do anything. You think he pulled the Costanza line saying, was that wrong of me? Should I not have done that? It's an embarrassment. I've never felt this way. My, I have three children, and I made sure when they were born, all of them came into this world seeing me wearing orange and black. I made sure I had a flyer shirt when they were all born. I'm fearful for their futures. I don't know how they're going to turn out now because that's what they saw when they came into this world. It's an embarrassment. Lou, I love you. Wow. Love you. Great job. Great, great vent. Wow. He, he, um, Ooh, he needed that. He, he needs um, pharmaceutical assistance, mm. I think, to calm down. I think he spoke... <laughs> Brilliantly. He, he's, I think he speaks for a lot of longtime fans of that franchise. Absolutely. Yes. Drew in Westchester wants to talk about Jalen Hurts' contract. What do you think? Hey, guys. Yeah, and before we get into that quick, and, you know, it just, it's just an indication. Like, I, I haven't called with a Flyers comment in, like, it's got to be, like, five-plus years at least. And so that just goes to show. But, you know, but I'm not so much embarrassed as just I feel sorry for my fellow Flyers fans who – haven't been around long enough to have enjoyed and appreciated that 20-year stretch, let's say, from the mid-'70s to the mid-'90s, where we we averaged a finals appearance once every three years. Every third season, this team was in the finals. It, it's amazing to think that that was the case, but but that is the facts. I yep. mean, right, 74, 5, 6, 85, 80, 85, 87, 97. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's once every three years, and uh, – it's a, it's a long way away, but um, that, that's the only thing that kind of keeps me, you know, balanced about it is that, you know, somehow it's got to get fixed and hopefully uh, it will soon. Hang, but, hang in if you can. I yeah. think most people have left. What do you think about Hertz? Yeah, so I'm a little surprised, I guess, at the – and I'm a, I'm a huge Hertz fan. I was a defender of him from the beginning. I didn't understand why people doubted him looking at what he did at the college level, at the highest level, dealing with adversity, succeeding. Um so I was always a big – I am a huge fan of his. and But I guess at the end of the day, you know, he's, he's started now two seasons. He, he put together a, a huge season last year. Um, but, uh, you know, what, why, why shouldn't he listen to Howie? I mean, as an Eagle fan, I hope he does. I mean, I certainly want Howie to, Howie's job to be made easier as possible by, by Hertz taking whatever it is instead of whatever else it could be. Because Here, Here's why, Drew. Here's why. Because the NFL, like most of pro sports, is a very, very cruel business. Uh, and the sport itself of professional football is incredibly damaging to the athletes' bodies. 
And so, I'm as I said earlier, I am never going to begrudge uh, an NFL player for getting every single dollar he possibly can. And again, it's not Jalen Hurts' uh, job to create a Super Bowl caliber roster. It's his job to play as well as possible to help his team win the Super Bowl. But just because he's making Howie's job more difficult doesn't mean he should help Howie or take less money to do it. Yeah, so, well, I guess my response would be, uh, aren't there aren't there two different sizes of contract, each of which would set Jalen Hurts for life, no matter what happens to him? Yeah, but it's easy okay. for you to say, you know, he should take less because he'll be set for life. It, if it was you and your family and you had the opportunity to make money, wouldn't you maximize the money you can make? I certainly would want to do that, okay. and then, but but you but you also have to balance out. Does he does he only care about the money, or does he want to no, win a and Super see, Bowl? And that's and thanks for the call. But that's where I think this gets particularly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, I, and I'm not going to Drew per se, but you know, doesn't he want the franchise to win? Why is he taking the money? Right. Then he becomes selfish. Exactly. And this is what I heard on our station the other day. If he's a good guy and a good teammate, he'll take less. No, right. that's not his job. He's not a bad guy if he takes more. And I am really, I am, Mike, I, I am genuinely a little worried with the fickle fan base that if the Jalen Hurts thing doesn't go quite smoothly, you know, they don't get wrapped up quickly because mm-hmm. Hurts wants, and I don't even know what the number is, but a number more than they want to pay. It's like, eh, you know, we thought this was a good guy. But yeah. you know what? He's, he's selfish. Yeah, and look, NFL owners don't need Jalen Hurts' help, okay? They're doing fine. All right, the league is a multi-billion dollar behemoth, okay? The only reason that it seems to me anybody is objecting to this, should be objecting to this idea, and I'm not sure it's a valid reason to object, is the idea of it's a salary cap sport. Therefore, under the rules, it makes it harder for the Eagles to build a full roster. The reason it's a salary cap sport is so that the owners can make more money. That's why salary caps mm-hmm. are in effect. It's It's not for... All the competitive balance stuff is hooey. It's about holding salaries down so that owners of professional sports franchises can maximize the money that they make. Right, and if they want to change the system so that quarterbacks' salaries are limited or whatever, Mm -hmm. put in the collective bargaining agreement. But this is the collective bargaining agreement, and it is not a sin of hurts to get what he can get given that situation. Uh, Jack in Santa Barbara. Jack, we got about 30 seconds before we got to hit a break. What are you thinking today? Well, I, I... Thank you for taking the call, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And, Mike, nice to see you being a point guard and changing up the flow of the show. I, li- sure. I like Thanks. that you guys are doing that. Um, uh, Glenn, this is the same thing to me. I, I mean, Howie doesn't go to to Jeffrey Laurie and say, uh, you know, he does, Jeffrey Laurie doesn't go to him and say, well, we, we want you to take less money now that you lost the State Farm Super Bowl, okay? Yeah. So the, the narrative, uh, it, to me, it's a passive-aggressive narrative that I, I'm sorry that Howie stooped down to do this yeah. because, yeah. To, me, to me, to my ears, it's the same thing that the players are doing on this social media thing in a different context. A little bit. Jack, and, I, I got to run, but I, I think your point is uh, passive-aggressive. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, that's absolutely what's going on here. And don't think, 
look, I don't think Howie Roseman is necessarily a bad guy either, but he's not above using whatever weapon he can wield to turn things in his negotiating favor, and public opinion is one of them. Yep. All right. Stick around, everybody, if you're on hold, and uh, 215-592-9494. Top of the hour, we're going to check in with our pal Tom McCarthy, talk a little Phillies baseball. There was news yesterday. We haven't gotten to it, which yeah. is a little bit troubling, which is a tender elbow of the 19-year-old pitching prospect. We'll see what Tom thinks and uh, what else is happening down in Clearwater. Mike C. You know, Glenn, there are certain sounds that you hear at certain times of the year, and they just kind of make you feel real solid inside. And uh, I would consider Tom McCarthy's voice on the spring training game one of those sounds. Tom is gracious enough to join us now. You're, of course, listening to 94 WIP. I'm Mike Sealski. He's Glenn Macnow. And this is our friend, Mr. Tom McCarthy. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. Uh, it's hot today, by the way. I don't know how it is home, but it's hot here today. You, re- you had to come out of the gate with telling us how warm it is in Florida. Well, really? I was, out at, I was out watching batting practice, and I just sat down um, to, you know, to, to chat with you fellas. And I realized that I'm already wearing the shirt I'm wearing on TV today, and it's it's soaking wet, so I'm trying to decide how I'm going to handle this one. Yeah, I will. Uh, you know, we'll keep an eye out for the, um, <laughs> you know, the pit stains and all of that kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, Tom, I think we got to start, unfortunately, with some not so great breaking quasi news here. Uh, Andrew Painter, tenderness in his arm. What's going on here? Well, we should find out, actually, guys, in the next little while. Uh, I don't know any specifics, except for that he went through an MRI yesterday. Uh, Dr. Cohen is here, so uh, he's reviewing that in just a little bit. So we should have a better answer um, in the next little while. He seemed okay yesterday. It it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of stress feeling in his face. Uh, But obviously, when you're 19, you have a sore elbow. You can't underscore how, you know, what the potential of that could be. Hopefully it's just, you know, a form of tendonitis and it's just a shutdown for a little bit of time and then get him back rolling again. And there's not anything wrong with the UCL. So that's the hope anyway. But uh, I think we're going to hear something in the next next hour or two. Rape for league game. Say again, buddy. I'm sorry. I think I'm having a problem with either my mic or my thing. Did you get the opportunity to see him pitch? On Wednesday, through twenty nine pitches. What did What did you yeah, see? Yeah, I did. Um, I was doing the game on uh, internet radio um, with Kevin Stocker, and I was happy about that just because I wanted to go down and see him. And honestly, he looked really good. Uh, he he didn't look like a nineteen year old. I know people have said that, but he truly didn't. He just looked like a guy that was making his first spring training start. Uh, his stuff was good. He topped off at ninety nine. You know, he was working on a cutter, which he threw, I think, three times to Carlos Correa. Correa was glowing after the game about him, just how good he is. And so was Rocco Baldelli. So uh, it was fun. I mean, he looked fine, but obviously it's the recovery the next day, to, to, you know, when he came up with the tenderness. What do you think is going to happen here, Tom, with respect to Painter in the rotation and the start of the season? And obviously it's contingent on what happens with his elbow. But, you know, assuming all things are equal and he's healthy, would you – do you think he'll be in the rotation? Would you put him in the rotation – uh, it seems to me that why waste some of his 99-mile-an-hour fastballs in the minor leagues? Yeah. If he's got this kind of makeup, keep him here. Yeah, no, I, I think, Mike, that's the plan. I, I really do. I, 
I, I was sort of hesitant coming into the camp only because, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, to talk to Dave Dombrowski and Rob Thompson. But after talking to both of them, uh, we had meetings with them last week. Uh, there was It was apparent by the expressions on both of their faces that, that this was not just, hey, let's give them a taste of spring training. This was, let's get them ready to be in the rotation. So I think there would be times where there'll be a six-man rotation to sort of alleviate the inning stress on him. But I, I think that, you know, the more I thought about it up until this point, and obviously whatever's going on with the elbow will dictate it, I thought he would be in the rotation. And I thought Belly Falter would be used also, but I thought that it would be Painter and then Falter would be there if they ever wanted to use a sixth man or have an extra guy. Let me change the subject a little bit. Tom McCarthy is our guest. Tom is, of course, the Phillies' uh, terrific TV play-by-play broadcaster and the hardest working man in sports. Every time I talk to you, you're off to do this college basketball (laughs) game, football game, whatever. Um, There's been a lot of buzz this spring training about Alec Bohm, uh, that he's put on some weight, put on some muscle, matured, certainly did improve. His defense certainly improved during uh, during the regular season last year, and that he's going to be a breakout star uh, I know that uh, Jim Bowden, who uh, former MLB GM now with the Athletic, put him as one of his breakout stars of 2023. What have you seen so far, and how do you think he can top out this year? Well, I've seen a totally different kid, honestly. I saw that I see the kid that I saw at the end of last year. Certainly not the kid that was here in spring training last season, battling for a job, looking tense, trying to not get in anybody's way. I just watched him take round balls with Bobby Dickerson out in the, you know, uh, during batting practice. And he's replicating what he's doing in games. And I think if you guys have watched any of them or seen any of the highlights, I mean, he's played very well over third base. He's made some really, he's, he's made some regular season plays at third base. So um, I think that his, I think he is still scratching the surface, but I do think that we, we can see a kid that can be closer to 300 in the batting average closer to 20 home runs, and closer to 80 RBIs. And I think in this lineup, that is beyond acceptable uh, and could really uh, – he's one of those guys that quietly like, – everything he'll do could be quietly do it because the other guys do it loudly. And I think that's good for him right now at his age. That, that's really interesting, Tom. They talked about the difference in him from last spring training to this one, and even the change in him over the course of last season. Is that just natural maturity? He was caught muttering what he was muttering after having the tough game in the field. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of fans, you know, perceive that he turned things around after that. What do you think happened to allow him to kind of grow and develop in this way? Well, I I think that uh, this is going to sound, you know, sort of simplistic, but I think Rob Thompson taking over allowed Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott, Matt Veerling, even Nick Maton or whoever came up to play that Nick Maton role, just let them be young kids and ride through their mistakes, but then embrace all of their success. And by doing that, there's no peeking over the shoulder anymore. So and I'm not saying that Joe did that definitively, but I think there was some stuff to that. If, if there was a mistake made, you know, Joe would – you know, Joe would call it out almost immediately. Now, Rob does too, but there's a different way of doing it. It's kind of what he did the other day with Griff McGarry when he got lit up against the Red Sox. He said, hey, I want you to just brush this aside. This is your first appearance in spring. I want you to remember how good you were with all those spring games that we did 
uh, over the last several days, oh, you know, before, before we put you into a game. So there's just a different way of handling it. I really do think that Rob allowed the young kids to just be the young kids. And he didn't check their personalities. He allowed, it, allowed them to be part of the personality of the clubhouse. And I also think some of the veterans had a lot to do with that, too. I don't think that's simplistic at all, by the way. I think it reflects in the record when Rod Thompson, after he took over, yeah. how much they got better and specific players. So I, I think that is a huge part of it. Uh, speaking about guys who got lit up, Bailey Falter, uh, well, the last time we saw him last year in the NLCS, he gave up, I think, four runs, didn't didn't make out of the first inning in game four. Uh, they won that night, so everything was okay. He made his spring debut Thursday Inning and a third, three hits and a walk. Uh, I didn't get to see it. Don't know if you did. They are counting. You know, we talk so much about Andrew Painter. We don't talk about Bailey Falter. Where do you think he is this year? Well, I, I think that he's going to be needed, uh, you know, Glenn. And I, I think he has to figure out how to get right-handers out. Because, obviously, he's not going to be just a lefty against lefty specialist. Because right. He's going to start or he's going to be a long man. So that's going to be the key. Uh, but I think he's going to be needed. I, I, you know, I think the if, if Andrew Painter is shut down for any extended period of time, and I would believe he, I would think he's going to be if there's soreness, then Bailey's going to have to step up and be part of that solution for the fifth starter spot. Uh, and I haven't seen Christopher Sanchez do too much yet, but I also think that they're, you know, they're going to use him as the spring goes on when guys start to leave for the World Baseball Classic. But I think Bailey has to figure out how to get right-handers out if he's going to have success as a starting pitcher. Uh, But I think he could be useful. I just think that there has to be some patience. My feeling is it's going to be a high ERA guy that may be um, less than a 500 pitcher, but Mm -hmm. that they're going to have to score runs when he's out there. We're talking with Tom McCarthy here uh, on the phone with us from Clearwater. Tom, Trey Turner for a long time has kind of been like – baseball player's favorite baseball player. Um, yeah, yeah. Y- you've gotten an up-close look at him now. How good is he really? <laughs> I think he's really good. I mean, I think it's, you know, when I was thinking about who they could sign at shortstop, I thought, well, any of the four would be serviceable, obviously. They, it would be an upgrade for what the Phillies had there. No offense to Bryson Stott, but Bryson's range wasn't comparable in some ways to those other four guys. Uh, but he was the guy because of the ability to just be a hitter, just a pure hitter, but also hit for power. But more than that, with the changing face of baseball and the landscape on the infield being different, they need a Jimmy Rollins-type range at shortstop again because it was the shift the way it is. Somebody's got to get to the hole and get to the middle. And he did that, according to fan graphs, better than any other shortstop in Major League Baseball last year. So, to me, it was a great pickup. Uh, he's been awesome. He's been kind of walking and talking with Bryson Stott on a daily basis. You know, they keep working on their double play combination. He'll leave in a couple of days, obviously, for the World Baseball Classic. So, they're trying to get those two guys as much work together as possible. But, you know, he's he looks like he's like 18 years old. I mean, it, it doesn't look like a 30-year-old body at all, uh, the way he moves around. Well, it, it's interesting you point that out, Tom. I went down to Raleigh, North Carolina, a few weeks ago to do a, a piece about him for the Inquirer. Yeah. And that was the thing his friends said was that when he was a freshman, he couldn't get into any of the bars around campus because he couldn't get a decent fake ID because nobody believed that he was <laughs> right. 21 when he was 18. He looked 12. Honestly, honestly, I think that there are places that might cart him now. 
I mean, really. I mean, just, <laughs> seriously, he just looks like a, a he looks like a little a young kid. Hey, Not he, a little kid, a young kid. He, he can just buy the bar if that happens. Yeah, exactly. He could do that. Uh, he, could, he could do that. Tom, last one for me, and we've talked a lot about Turner and Taiwan Walker coming in, and they added to the bullpen with Strom and with uh, Soto and with Craig Kimbrell. Every year there's always the one guy who emerges in, in spring training and threatens to make the club. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anybody this year, anybody that we're not thinking about who might squeeze on in that 26-player role? Yeah, there, I, I think there are three, Glenn, that, uh, that I, was, I thought about today um, and I wrote down and went to talk to. Uh, and there are three sort of veteran guys. Uh, Weston Wilson, free agent, pick up this past offseason, can play everywhere. He's a big dude that can play everywhere. Uh, ben joked with him today about is he asked him if he was going to catch. Jake Cave, who's in the lineup today. And then the last one is Scott Kingery. Wow. Yeah, I think that he's done. Like today he's at shortstop. He's played second. That got him into center field. You know, he didn't hit much last year in AAA. And part of that was changing some things or potentially changing some things in his swing. He's done that with, you know, with the offseason. Um, I think he's starting to open up some eyes because of his versatility. Um, but we'll see. I still think he has to hit for more extra bases, not home runs, but more extra bases. But I think those three guys are three that stand out to me. Boy, that would be an incredible story. if King great story. We're able yeah. to come I back. would agree. Uh, I would agree. Tom, March is, I think, the month where you don't sleep between <laughs> – Spring training and March Madness. What is your schedule like for this month before we let you well, go? Well, I actually have a funny story about that. So, you know, um, I used to do the CAA championship on radio for Westwood One because I'm doing the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight on Westwood One uh, in Louisville. So I have to do one conference tournament a year, and the one that fit into my schedule was the CAA. I thought I was leaving here on Tuesday, and the tournament was Wednesday. But Rob Brooks, who does the Drexel games and is one of my bosses here, called me today and said, you do know that the championship is Tuesday, not Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, no, I have it down as Wednesday. But I didn't. I have it down as Tuesday. But for some reason, I convinced myself, I have no idea why, that it was Wednesday. So, um, fortunately, my flight, the right flight and everything else, my hotel is the right hotel. But if he hadn't said anything to me today – I probably would have waited until Monday and looked and said, oh, geez, i got to be in Washington tonight. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm doing that. I'm doing the A-10 semifinals on TV next Saturday. And then I'm going to um, I'm gonna have a role in the NCAA tournament with, with CBS and Turner. Nice. But they haven't announced what that's going to be yet. So um, last year I was in Dayton, and I loved that part of it. I thought it was great. And my hope is that that's where I am again this year. Well, listen, when you get to the CAA tournament, after you touch base with your wife and let it, you know, send me and Glenn a text message. Let us know that you're OK and you got to where you need to be, because listening to the schedule, Tom, and, and you know, your slight confusion there. I'm, I'm a little worried you're going to get to where I you need to be. I actually was a little worried today, too. I actually went back and looked at all my other flights to make sure I didn't screw any of the other ones. <laughs> ones. <laughs> Tom McCarthy, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure, man. Thanks. All right, thanks, guys. See you, Be good. See you there. He's uh, he's the hardest working man in show business this month. Yeah. And you know, as good as he is on the Phillies telecast, he's awesome on college basketball. 
Yeah. He's great. And he can do football. Very yeah. versatile guy. Yeah, he is. Um, we got a couple minutes here. We can get a couple of phone calls in here. Um, David wants to talk about Jalen Hurts' contract. David, what do you think? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to say a fantastic show. Uh, Mike, you had some big shoes to fill, and you've done a great job. And Glenn, uh, the fact that uh, Mike and Jody have come in so well is a testament to your ability. So thank, thank you. you both Thanks, for David. Very nice show. Thank you. Uh, now that I buttered you up, I want to disagree a little bit on the. Oh, the, uh... come on. <laughs> uh, so I, I do agree. I side with labor over the owners every time. But Jalen, Jalen Hurts' persona and kind of the image that he has out there is I'm a win, win man. I'm going to work to win. I'm going to work to win. So he does, he does have a responsibility to himself. But if you would to ask him what percentage of your wealth would you be willing to give up to ensure that you got a Super Bowl, I think that's a fair question to ask when someone's persona is, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. I think it's the kind of question you can ask, David, of a quarterback who's getting his third, fourth, maybe fifth contract. It's fair to ask of a guy like a Tom Brady or a Rodgers or a Mahomes, if it's fair at all. I, I'm, not, I'm not with you on asking Hurts to do that when it's his first major contract as a franchise quarterback. And I may have a solution, and it's probably written in the rules, but not permitted, which is why it isn't being discussed. But what if they went the Bryce Harper contract way? And we said, here, $400 million guaranteed for 20 years. And the first four years or five years are like $40 million a pop. And then it becomes Bryce Harper's deal towards the end or even Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, but here's the thing, David. The NFL is not Major League Baseball. Um, you know, and, and the – the expectation, and thanks for the call, the expectation, I think, Glenn, that, that you can stretch this out. I'm sure Howie Roseman is going to try to do this, to mm -hmm. stretch out the contract as long as possible, knock down the average annual value. But if this is the NFL. This isn't Major League Baseball. You've got to get what you can get when you can get it. Correct. You know, yep. and, uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm just, I think it's unfair to put Hertz in that position. Uh, Mitch, we got like 30 seconds before we get to the break. What are your thoughts on Jason Kelsey? Gentlemen, yeah, you know what? Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Doing well. You know, perfectly healthy. He he's he always hesitates. He'll be back this year, next year. Yeah, you know, we haven't mentioned Kelsey on the on the show so so far. Yeah. Um, is he going to be back? I don't know. I don't know. He and his I'll, wife just I'll, had their third kid. Yeah, they you did. Know. Beautiful little girl, Mitch. I'll put the odds on him coming back at sixty-two and a half percent. There you go. Oh, oh a convenient yeah. number. Five eight. Yeah. Well, he's number 62, Glenn. Yeah, well, that's yeah. um, on a side note, we lost a great actor, Tom Sizemore. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and you, you are 100% right about that, Mitch. And as we head to the break, that's actually a perfect segue, Glenn. Tom, Tom Sizemore, star of Heat, yep. star of Saving Private Ryan, great and crazy. star of uh, True Romance. Yeah. Uh, tough you guy. Know, yeah, tough guy, you know, passed away this week, so... Uh, good on Mitch for pointing that out. Um, as we head into the break, don't go anywhere. We're coming back after the break with, of course, what we're watching, a show that Glenn kind of liked and a show that I did not kind of like. Uh, so uh, keep it here, 215-592-9494. He is Glenn Mack now. I am Mike Sealski. You're listening to WIP. Hey, you tired of dealing with those old, inefficient windows in your house? Well, guess what? It's time to go Guida. How about that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door that you've painted over more times than you can count? Hey, go Guida. Maybe you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door. Go Guida. 
And what about that sliding patio door? Maybe the garage door you've been meaning to replace? Hey, go Guida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Now, to help get your project started, Guida is offering 20% on all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three years to pay it off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time only. What are you waiting for? It's time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. And what we're watching is, of course, sponsored by Guide a Door and Window. Receive 20% off all windows and doors with no money down and up to three years to pay off interest-free. Call Guide a Door and Window today at 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit goguida.com. Glenn, you watched a show featuring one of America's and Canada's Canada. most beloved comedic actors. Yeah. First, let me say this. Actually, first let me say this. Joan David, stick around because we'll get you this segment. I enjoy travel shows. I used to watch Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I did too. I, Loved it. Uh, the last couple of years, I really enjoyed Stanley Tucci in Italy mm-hmm. on CNN. I think it's moving to another network. And uh, somebody feed Phil. We talked about that yeah, show Yeah, Phil before. Rosenthal, right. Right. Uh, very good. Um, I actually don't really travel anywhere, but I enjoy watching other people do it. Yes. Although travel is in the plan. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm going to France this year. How about it? Never been. Me too. Okay. Not with you, but I'm going. There you go. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Eugene Levy. Mm -hmm. Funny guy. Sure. Um, SCTV, American Pie. um, Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek. I mean, really funny character actor. He started a show. He's got a show. It's called The Reluctant Traveler. Premiered, I think, about two weeks ago. It's mm-hmm. on Apple TV, and it basically follows him from Finland to Costa Rica to the Maldives. Maldives? Maldives? Maldives. Maldives, thank you, uh, which I know you'll talk about. Oh, yeah. There's a safari episode, and mm-hmm. there's a uh, there's like a steaming hot in the jungle episode, and then there's the freezing cold episode, and like the whole thing. A lot of raw fish. Yeah. <laughs> At first, mm-hmm. and when I say at first, I meant like the first 20 minutes of the first yeah. episode. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really fun. I texted you yes. to that effect. Yep. I'm watching this. This is good. The setup is Eugene Levy is a guy who doesn't like to leave his living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up going to all of these exotic places. And he's forced out of his comfort zone. Right. And it's I think it's, it's a good setup. And by the way, forced out of his own comfort zone if hotels that cost... $3,000 a night are out of your comfort zone. We're going to get to that. Yeah, he's going to these amazing places. There's the one in Finland, which is this hotel where you watch the northern lights come in and the ski chalet and, and so on. But nonetheless, so the show came out with great promise, and it's got a lot of hype. And the first episode, which I enjoyed, he goes to Finland, mm-hmm. um, Lapland to be precise, where he finds people who are like really happy to live in this frigid climate, right. and he's like... He has a tough time identifying with them because it's so cold and they're ice fishing with a nine-year-old kid and so on. And if there's a theme in the epi- in all of these episodes that I kind of liked, it's that he's finding people who are happy where they live, which is usually way off the grid. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of interesting people that he finds. And that's all cool. And in that first episode and um, the Costa Rica episode I watched, he really interacts with, with the local people. Right. The problem is... 
it's a one joke show. Mm. It's here's this guy who doesn't like to travel and he's forced to travel and he keeps repeating like, I don't know if I'm going to have fun here. And then he has fun. And then he goes to the next adventure. It's like, I don't really like to be standing out in the open. And then he has fun. And it's like, I got the joke. Yeah. And it, it got, it got old really fast. And I'd give it a, B minus C plus. I you know I think there were eight episodes. I watched two and a half, mm-hmm. which tells you where I ended up. I might go back and watch one, but overall, I I can't recommend it. I am not going to hammer it, as I think you're about to do. Well, you were disappointed with it, right? That's yeah, fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wanted more. All right. I, I was not disappointed with it. I hated it. <laughs> hated it. And here's why I hated it. So you texted me. And your text came literally within the hour after my wife, Kate, had said, hey, Eugene Levy has a travel show, and we like travel shows. We should watch this. And guess where he goes? He goes to the Maldives. Mm-hmm. You know who's been to the Maldives? My wife, Kate, and I. My, my mother and father have a dear friend, have dear friends who are travel agents. And 15 years ago, we were fortunate enough at a relatively decent cost to be able to go to the Maldives for our honeymoon. Sweet. Yes. It was incredible. So... After getting your text and speaking to my wife, the first thing I did was fire up the Maldives episode of The Reluctant Traveler. Mm -hmm. And, Glenn, I didn't believe him. I didn't believe Eugene Levy, because because here's why. The Maldives might be one of the most five beautiful places on Earth. It is impossible to me for somebody to have apprehension going there. Mm. And Eugene Levy has, like... Oh, it's a seaplane, and I don't like having to land on the water. And here I am on this resort that costs $7,000 a night. Not that ours did. Our art did not cost that much. But he's on one that did. And he's apprehensive and nervous and doesn't like it. Are you kidding me? Mm. I, I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. I, I think he came off to me not as being a real human being, but an actor playing one yeah. of the roles that he's been in in all these shows and movies. Yeah, he's playing that character. He's, I, he's the, like the nervous, nerdy guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't believe it. And after 15, 20 minutes, I turned it off and said, I'm not watching the rest of this show. Because yeah. I don't believe the host actually is doing and saying what he seems to be doing. So saying. did you watch Somebody Feed Phil? I have not yet. Okay. Because he's a big dopey character. Yes. Right? He is the guy who was the showrunner for Ray Romano's show. Everybody loves Raymond. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not about Ray Dinger, although people think so. Um, <laughs> Close. But he really is kind of big and goofy. And so he tries stuff that he's never tried, but he always does it with enthusiasm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, but oh, this is great, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, Eugene Levy kept going to the same trope, which is, yeah, I think I'd rather just be home watching TV, but yeah. okay, if you want me to experience this amazing thing, I'll try Right, it. exactly. Yeah. If you yeah. want me to go to yeah. the most beautiful spot on the entire planet, I guess I will, but I won't really like it. And if you show me the chef who's making the incredible meal, I don't know. I, he wants me to help him. I don't Dude, yeah. it, this is not entertaining and fun. It's yeah. just not. I give it one star out of four. I wow. was really disappointed. I, I give it two and a half stars, and I was disappointed. And the two and a half stars is not because of Eugene Levy, who was the disappointment. It's because the places were so amazing. Yeah. That I enjoyed seeing those places and thinking, gosh, I would love. I'll go there instead of him because I'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I don't recommend the show. You give it the big kick in the butt. I do. But I will say this, uh, and we talked about this uh, before we got on the air today. 
uh, we had discussed the Apple TV show Shrinking on an earlier episode. Yeah, you recommended that and to me. I'm enjoying that. Yeah, it's it's been great. It's been great. Caught up on that last night. Highly recommend that. Do not watch The Reluctant Travel. All right. Here, by, by the way, here's the other shows that I'm watching just to tell people. I've reviewed them all before. It is season two of Your Honor on HBO uh, with Walter White, and it's Brian Cranston, and mm. it's great. Okay. That is a great show. You should be watching it. Right. Start with season one. And I'm watching The Last of Us on HBO Max, which is the apocalyptic mm-hmm. show, which is excellent. Okay. So those are the shows I'm All watching. All right, good to know. We finally got Hulu, so I'm going to try to catch up on some stuff there. Good. So uh, let's transition to Joe, who wants to weigh in on the Flyers. Joe from the Northeast. What are you thinking, Joe? Listen, I heard you guys talking. Whatever happened to this franchise, they they never tanked. Never. I mean, they came in this year and, and – in hockey in 1960-something, um, they, they've they never tanked like Pittsburgh Penguins did, got Crosby and, and so all these You're hockey. saying you want them to tank, or you're glad they're not no, tanking? No, 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 not at all. You don't like, want them they, to tank. They never did that. Yes. It was the classic franchise. That's what I'm getting at. Like, you, you saw what Pittsburgh did. They got Crosby, Malkin, and, and the goalie, Fleury. Yeah. Three years in a row. And, and it, you know what it did, Joe? It set them up for the next two decades. <laughs> yes, it did. Joe, they won three Stanley Cups. Yes. But listen, th- the thing I'm saying is, listen, I wanted to talk about Donna, uh, or, or or Jalen Hurts. But okay. when you well, guys started talking about the Flyers, it really riled me up. <laughs> I never missed a game. So where are you Ryan now Wayne, with them? What, what are your thoughts now? What do you think they ought to do? It's I I, I don't even know. It, it is su- such a shamble. I don't know if it's if it's hockey itself. Well, the game. I, I, I would say like, this. I would say this, Joe, and and thanks. The sport changed, Glenn. The sport went to a salary cap. And again, you and I have had this discussion. We're going to continue to have this discussion. I don't like the idea of quote unquote tanking either. But the incentive structure for the sport is set up to make teams do that. Yeah, I get it. But, I mean, it's, you, it, at this point, there's such a mess that whatever. You just tear right. the whole thing apart and start over. And mm-hmm. so if you want to call that tanking, you do. There's there's nothing other than the goalie that I and the coach. Right. The goalie and the coach are the only two things in the entire organization that I want to keep. I don't want to keep the owner. I don't want to keep the general <laughs> manager. I don't you, want to keep the president. You don't want to keep want the to, mascot most I of all. I definitely don't want to keep the mascot. I probably don't want to keep 16 of the 18 players. I don't even know who the second one is that I would want to keep. Okay? So, all of that. Now, if that means you're tanking, you're tanking. But the bottom line with me is it's got to be a rip down. Mm. So, call it what you want. Yeah. See, this is, and I don't want to get too sidetracked, tanking to me is going into a season deliberately being bad, saying, you know, we could have signed that other point guard, but we're going to sign the lesser point guard mm, and play okay. him because we really only do want to win 10 games. Tanking that I can live with, if there's such a way to say this, is we're going to trade all of our players that have any kind of market value for second-round pick, third-round pick, and hope that it works out. Mm-hmm. But when the season starts, we're not going to deliberately lose. We're just going to be in a position where we know we're not going to win much. That's not unethical. Unethical is saying we're going to deliberately have bad players mm. so that we lose every game. Ethics aside, I think one of the one of the benefits of the Flyers doing the teardown that you're describing and that I think they need to do is that They need that on the ice, the way the, the league is now, yeah. the way the sport has opened up. They need it, quite frankly, for the players that they can 
Oh, gotcha. They have nothing to sell, so they're selling cookies and mascots. Right. Say what you want about the Sixers and their inability to get past, past the second round of the playoffs. Joel Embiid is loved by a huge segment of the fan base sure. in the city. And yeah. there are going to be people in years to come who say, I got to see Joel Embiid play with the Sixers. No you know, And that's, that's a byproduct. Anyway, we'll get all, all that and more. Gary, David, Mike, hang in there. After the break, we will get to you. 215-592-9494. He is Glenn Mack now. I am Mike Sealski. This is WIP. We are back here on 94 WIP. Glenn Mack now with me. Mike Sealski. Uh, David, we will get to you. He wants to talk. David wants to talk about Jalen Hurts' contract. Go ahead, David. Hey, good morning. Mike, I feel an affinity to you. I have a senior at LaSalle right now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so whenever I hear you talk about it, um, you know, I always bring my other boys in the room. Like, hey, this guy went to LaSalle. Where'd your brother go? So they love that. <laughs> For the best years Glenn, of my life. Oh, that's good to hear. He loves it there. Um, Glenn, I feel an affinity to you forever, especially for beer. There you go. I love your What's Brewing. It is. My my wife and I watch it all the time. We love it. Episode tonight, uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, and I'm joined by Todd Zalecki. And Todd and I do a projection of National League East standings based on the quality of the beer in those cities, which is pretty darn scientific. By, by that standard, the, the Phillies are going to win the division by 25 games. <laughs> well, I don't want to reveal that. No spoilers here, but maybe. Hey, whatever it takes to get them there, right? Yep. And, Glenn, real quick, your honor, the, I love it. You, Hope Davis so over the top as the wife of Baxter. Oh, Too much. she's a bad woman. Yeah, she's, she's a bad she's woman. Rough. But, Mike, I, I'm telling you, you would really okay. like that show. All right, i got to check it out. Yeah. David, what do you think show. about Hertz's contract? So here's the thing. Chess versus checkers, right? Let's look at it. And I hear what you're saying, which is you don't give money back. But let me say this. Like, what if you said, and what if a quarterback said, and Joe Burrow being a good example, hey, I want a certain percentage of my contract to go to the offensive line because I know that that will sustain my career and I will get additional contracts as a result of that, especially someone like Hertz, right, that relies on protection and moves. And if you go down within the first contract, you might not get that second one. So I see what you're saying. Like, you don't leave money on the table. However... If it's an investment, not in the team to win, but your protection, I think if I'm a quarterback, uh, I, I would think look you're, at that. You're reaching a little bit. You're 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 putting him in an either or that doesn't necessarily exist. Which is, hey, if you want to stay here, I don't know, if we can bring back Lane Johnson. Yeah, and and you're asking him to make an investment in the team that is not his investment to make. That's the job of Jeffrey Lurie and it Howie is. Roseman, their staff. There's no question that that's absolutely correct. But I, I'm just looking at it from a position of, like, take all the money. They don't invest around you. You go down. You're Robert Griffin, and it's over, right? He never got that second contract. So I, I don't know what that language looks like. I don't know what that conversation sounds like. However, like, I, if I look at a Robert Griffin and I say this guy never got a second contract because it was – and, you know, that's not a good example. It wasn't well, all on him. Yeah, I'm and, saying, and- like, I hear what you're saying, David, and, okay. and thanks for thanks for weighing in. Here's the thing, though: Jalen Hurts is going to get this second contract. You yep. know, Robert Griffin got hurt at the end of what his first season with the with the Washington. Yeah, because Shanahan put him in team. hurt. Right, exactly, and he didn't get to the second contract. Jalen Hurts got his team to the Super Bowl and has definitely made it. So 
Anyway, this time every week, uh, we always check in with our friends at Cooper Doc. Uh, Dr. David Gelt is here. Uh, and you got him up. And Dave, Dr. Gelt, how are you? Well, hold on. Before well, we, go we go to go. Dr. Gelt, let's play this. Go. Sorry. All right, so we led in perfectly to Dr. Gelt's segment here. Doctor, how are you? Pretty good. How are you guys doing today? Great. We're, do- we're doing great. So, Andrew Painter, tender elbow. Should we mm. be panicking? Uh, well, there's a lot of ifs and uh, question marks, obviously. You know, whenever you have a pitcher with an elbow issue, that's, you know, the first thing you think about is the, the UCL. So hopefully, you know, it's just a little soreness and, to be okay. I think he's getting some other studies with an MRI, which will definitively tell us what the next steps will be. But well, fingers crossed. Hopefully, let's look at best case and dare I say worst case scenario. Best yeah. case, little elbow tendonitis. I mean, what, what, what would be what would be the best news the Phillies can get today? Yeah, best case, uh, no structural damage, just some inflammation, um, a little soreness. Uh, like I said, a flexor tendon strain or tendonitis, and you know, short stint on uh, you know little rest and anti-inflammatories and, you know, delay the him going back um, pitching and then hopefully be ready for the season. I was going to ask, would that likely keep him off the opening day roster? You don't think – not necessarily. Uh, it depends. It depends how long he's going to be. But with him being so young and being such a hot prospect, you know, I think they're definitely going to take it slow for sure. Okay. How, yeah. how much would that help, Doctor, that, you know, could you pitch him every six days? Is there some kind of, like, regimen that the Phillies could follow – to make sure or guard against further injury. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, rest is always best for the inflammation or, you know, tendonitis issues. So, you know, we try to take it slow, pitch counts, uh, innings, you know, extend the amount of time in between. So, yeah, definitely something that they're going to keep an eye on and take it slow and more conservative. Okay. What I'm about to ask you, we hope and believe will not be true, but we need to ask, what's the worst-case scenario here? Worst case scenario is a uh, UCL injury, and he's going to be having surgery like Bryce Harper. Holy cow. Oh, I wish I hadn't asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> I always will go one question too far. You must be you, fun at parties. You asked the question. <laughs> you asked the question, Glenn. I did. I did. I did. And, and hopefully. But I, I hopefully, hopefully that's not. I mean, if he just had some soreness, and well, hopefully that's, you know, he didn't feel a popper from what I read. He didn't, you know, have a all of a sudden like a one pitch thing, and all of a sudden that bothered him. So we'll see. All right. Well. Dr. Gelt, thanks so much for the insight, as always. Uh, what do you got going on? You know, what do you what do you thoughts on the Sixers? I do actually have a – go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say I have a, a documentary I started to watch. So oh. I maybe you guys might want to – Yeah, Dr. Gelt's always got good TV stuff. What are you watching? Um, so I just started watching the uh, the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you heard about it. It's similar to the uh, debacle with Woodstock. So it's about this uh, – um, there's a music festival that they tried to put on down the Bahamas back yep. in 2017, and it was just a disaster um, about the guy who had the fraud and yep. everything got put in jail. But uh, it's pretty interesting, and uh, it's, uh, it's about an hour and a half, so I'm about halfway into it, but it's, it's pretty good. You know what the lesson from this is, Doctor? Don't put on music festivals. They just don't <laughs> maybe, work maybe, out. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. David Gelf, Cooper Docs, thank you so much for the time, sir, as always. All right, guys. Have a good day. Always right. a pleasure. Thank you so much. So. Again, we hope just a little soreness, mm. tender, uh, ten, tendonitis, not tenderitis, tendonitis. <laughs> I don't know what tenderitis is. I, I don't want Andrew Painter tenderized. No. no. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, I will, 
okay, I gave you earlier, or I gave Mitchie Tools, mm-hmm. a 62.5% chance that Jason Kelsey plays in 2023. Yes. What is the number? What are the, the, the chances that Andrew Painter is on the Phillies opening day roster? Are we assuming he is healthy? That's I'm assuming nothing. That's okay. why I'm giving it to you. I think it is 75% chance. I'm going to give the 25% chance that there's an injury here that prevents him from being on the roster at the start of the season. I'm going low. Okay. I'm saying a 45% chance. Oh, wow. So is that injury-based or is that— Well, not serious injury-based, but injury-based that it's cautious enough that they shut him down now for a few weeks so that they decide, you know what, like let's let him get his bearings in, in Reading and then we'll bring him up. Gotcha. Okay. It's going to be interesting to see. And, and as Tom McCarthy told us, uh, there should be an update on Painter and his condition— you know, sometime in the next hour or so. Uh, Gary from the Northeast wants to talk about the Flyers. Gary, you're on with Glenn and Mike. Go ahead, man. Hey, guys, man. Broad Street Bully here. You know, to see what, hap- what has happened to this team is is just so depressing. Uh, watching Fletcher yesterday on, that, on, on his press conference, how embarrassing that nobody in the league wanted any of our players. Yeah, that, yeah you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and I, it relates. Are you and, kidding me? And I'll and I'll hit this over to Mike. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's because of their contracts. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. That's that's what this came down to. And Gary, look, Gary's like a lot of longtime Flyers fans out there. Um, and I think because those fans exist, I don't, I don't mean to. This is going to come off badly, and I don't mean it to. I think because those fans exist, that's part of the reason why the organization has been hesitant to go full rebuild. Is because. The Ed Snyder years conditioned a segment of the fan base to think that you're supposed to go on and you can't go on And the salary cap league, you can't. See, I don't even think it's that anymore. I just think they're so inept at this point mm-hmm. that th- th- they don't even have a plan. I don't think. No, you're right. They don't. Yeah, I don't think they the don't. plan is, you know, we're going to try to do with this. Although, well, I guess to speak to your point, they traded draft picks. Assets for Tony D'Angelo yes. this offseason and gave him a big contract. Yeah. So that does go to your point of like, hey, we think we're going to be good enough that this guy's going to help us do something. They seem to yeah, feel the need and, to play part name? of the fan base. The, the, the Goonery. Uh, why am I forgetting his name? The, you know. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. I, I know. Right. What you're talking about. Like Delorier. Yeah. What, like, what, it, what was that? Yeah. Two year deal at big money. What they, is that? They feel the need to placate the segment of the fan base that wants and thinks that if the team just gets in the playoffs, there's a possibility they can make a run. So, uh, who survives? I think Tortorella survives. That's it. And I think that might be it. However, I would argue that they've created a potential problem for themselves by having Tortorella become the face of the franchise and the truth teller of the franchise. Because unless you truth tell is a good way to put it, uh, unless you either bring in someone from the outside to be a general manager, mm-hmm. assuming Fletcher is no longer the GM. Well, that's please. Okay. Yeah. Or you promote somebody, say like Danny Briere, who's yeah. by all accounts has yeah, a pretty yeah. good working yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. Unless that happens, where you bring in someone who already maybe has a relationship with Tortorella and can work with him. The GM's going to come in and have to supplant the head coach as kind of the powerful force on making decisions, right? I mean— Unless you give Tortorella personnel. Which I don't know that he wants, or, and I don't know if they want to do know. it and, not, or any of that. Yeah, it's I just, can't say that, but I understand what you're saying. Like, it works now because f- everybody doesn't like <laughs> Fletcher. 
And so they're happy to hear John Tonarella tell hard truths. Yes. What happens? And God when you, bless him that he does. Right. I mean, he talked the other day. People are too entrenched here. Yeah. Who was he talking about? <laughs> that was was he really... talking about players? Were we talking about like the old guys who are still, you know, the Bobby Clarks, the Bill Bars? That about them? Who's he talking about? That, I don't know. That wasn't clear from the interview. You no, know, but it was pretty. Uh, it was telling. Brazen. Yeah. It it and it spoke right to some of the complaints that people have had about this organization for a long, long time. Anyway, we will get to all that and more in the next hour. At the top of the hour, Dave Zangaro will join us from NBC Sports Philadelphia to talk some Eagles. Mike, Rob, Lou, Joe, all of you who want to talk about either the Flyers or Jalen Hurts' contract or both, hang with us. He's Glenn Mack now. I'm Mike Sealski. 215-592-9494. You're listening, of course, to WIP. Yeah, it all felt pretty good right around there. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh... We're not going to give away the end, Merrill, but uh, it was pretty fun right there. <laughs> well, that was interesting for two reasons. First of all, the quarterback sneak and what's uh, all the controversy around that with mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles. And second, of course, Jalen Hurts. Dave Zangaro of NBC Sports Philadelphia joins us right now. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing well, guys. How good. are you? Doing great. Thanks, Hi, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Um, so we've been talking a lot about Jalen Hurts and the potential contract he may sign today. Um, not today, I'm sorry. We've been talking a lot today about it. Nothing's going to sign it today. I don't need you to project numbers because I have no idea. But how he dropped a little line into his press meeting uh, at the Combine saying, like, well, you know, it's got to be good for him. It's got to be good for the team. And he knows that and so on. And I'm just wondering, do you anticipate this going smoothly and quickly or will this be about trying to the Eagles trying to explain to Jalen that he's got to take a lower offer to make it work for them yeah I mean I I hear a lot about that but um I think it's it's going to be a big number no matter what like even if it if, if he takes a lower number than what he could get like it's still going to be an enormous number like it's uh, there's not going to be a, a massive discount at all. I mean, he's going to get paid uh, the going rate, and the going rate is going to be 45 to $50 million a year. It, it's going to be a massive contract. So um, that's just what it is. And the Eagles are preparing like it's going to be a massive number because they have to plan the rest of their roster construction around it. And a big part of that is kind of transitioning from having – all these veterans with these big contracts to relying on players on rookie deals. And that's just the way it needs to go. And, and that's the way it's going to go. I mean, we already kind of see it happening with uh, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, uh, Cam Jurgens. Like these guys are going to play a lot this coming season. And, and that's kind of the way this whole thing is going is uh, once you have a quarterback making that kind of money, you need to uh, supplement that roster with players that don't, make a ton of money, and, and that's the way this team is going right now. Dave, you raised an interesting point there about the guys who we didn't see very much of this season who now have to come in and, and step into the lineup. Guys like Davis, who played a fair amount, but Kobe Dean, Cam Jurgens, guys like that. The free agents that are potentially leaving or staying, how would you kind of prioritize them? If there were one or two who you said, you know, the Eagles would do well to bring those guys back, and maybe one or two where you say, you know, you got to let that guy walk. Who who stands out to you in, in that regard? 
Yeah, it's a long list too, Mike. It's yeah. like it's it's significant, and uh, I think Howie Roseman did a good job getting ahead of things at the combine by letting everyone know that yeah, we're not going to be able to bring a lot of these guys back. Uh, just the nature of the situation they're in. Uh, at the top of the list, I think is C.J. Gardner Johnson, uh, the young safety, because he is young and uh, he's presumably still an ascending player. Played one season at the safety position, did it fairly well. Uh, I, I think they're going to really try to keep him. And I don't think it's going to be a franchise tag. I think it's going to be a long-term deal. I think that's the one that's going to get done. Uh, now, he, can they do him and Javon Hargrave? Maybe not. You know, that's going to be a big contract for Hargrave, who's over 30 now. We're talking in the $20 million per year range. I, I don't know if they can afford both of those guys. Uh, so I think it might be CJ and then, uh, you know, maybe a TJ Edwards if the contract's not crazy and maybe a Marcus Epps. Uh, I think Miles Sanders is probably going to walk. Uh, I don't think the Eagles are going to pay him the going rate for a running back. Now, uh, I could see a situation where Miles doesn't get that big contract and he's kind of waiting out there in, in, in the market a little bit and uh, maybe they bring him back after he doesn't get that big deal. Like, I could see something like that, but – I think they're preparing like Miles is going to be here next year. Uh, it's kind of a weird deal because all these guys, right now they have exclusive negotiating rights with them. Um, but once they hit free agency, the, the likelihood that they return kind of plummets. But then with each passing day when they're free agents, that likelihood kind of increases because yeah. uh, they're coming from a really good team and the Eagles should be good again next year, maybe not to the extent we saw this season, but they're going to be a good team. And, you know, the, the likelihood starts to increase at that point with each passing day, because if they have to take a cheap deal anywhere, they'd probably prefer to do it in Philly. So that's kind of the, the weird situation the hurry agents are in, but they're going to lose all these guys. And I think the one we didn't mention was James Bradbury. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just don't know how they could keep him. Um, they, they had Darius Slay on this big contract. I don't know if you're going to have two corners like that. Yeah. We're talking to Dave Zangaro. Follow him on Twitter at, D Zangaro, Z A N G A R O N B C S. So uh, we're we're all kind of waiting to see what Jason Kelsey decides, and obviously, if he wants to play another year, they'll have him back. But there are two other guys who are veterans, long-term <clears throat> veterans, who I think position may be a little bit shakier. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, career Eagles, first-round picks, heroes of the first Super Bowl. What do you foresee for both of them? If I had to guess right now, I think Fletcher's gone and BG's back. Mm. Um, and that's just kind of a gut feeling on it. Uh, I think Fletcher's still going to make a decent contract. Uh, he paid for $8 million this past season. And I was a little skeptical, I'll be honest with you, when the Eagles gave him that deal. I didn't know if he lived up to it. And I still don't know if he really did. But he, he did well. And uh, he turned back the clock a little bit. He was a big part of that team. But... I don't know if you can pay him a big salary moving forward like that. Where he was really productive last year, uh, that third edge rusher position matters, and he's not going to cost as much. So, uh, and, and I also think Brandon would probably take a little bit of a discount to try to finish his career here, and that matters too. I don't think it would be like a massive discount. You don't want to insult these guys, but uh, I, I think it's more likely that he's back than Fletcher. Uh, but you're right. It's kind of crazy to think about this team with, without one of those guys, whether it's Brendan Graham, Fletcher Cox, or Jason Kelsey, it's pretty rare to have three players with the same team for over a decade. Uh, it doesn't really happen like that 
very much in the NFL. But you're right about Kelsey. I mean, if he wants to come back, he's coming back. But he's still great. Yeah, right. He's still at the top of the game. He absolutely is. But, like, you have to factor that in, though. It's like, it's not like he's coming back for peanuts. He he got paid $14 million last year, the highest-paid center in the league. So, uh, if he comes back, then you you do have to – you pay him, of course, because he's worth it. But you have to factor that in. Dave, one of the things we haven't even touched on yet is the fact that they now have a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. Um, did anything surprise you about those hires slash promotions? And, you know, this was where Doug Peterson got into trouble in his go-round with the Eagles, where there were questions about control over the staff and who he wanted versus who maybe Jeffrey and how he wanted. Um, just kind of your your take on the staff now under Nick Sirianni and the pluses, the minuses, et cetera. Yeah. From a macro level, um, I think Nick really enjoys building the staff more than Doug. And that's not a knock on Doug. It just wasn't one of his favorite things, but uh, Nick, I think really enjoys the process of it. So I think that kind of falls in line with what Jeffrey wants. So I think that's a big deal. Uh, you look at the offensive coordinator position, that was one of the worst-kept secrets in the league. They were going to promote Brian Johnson. It made a ton of sense. Uh, you know, even if you look at – everyone talks about Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts, but Brian uh, has a pretty good resume. You know, he, he's he's done well in every stop he's been, Florida, Mississippi State, Utah. So uh, he was going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere pretty soon, so it might as well be with the Eagles. And they were lucky with the way the timing worked out there because they lose Shane Steichen, but they don't lose Brian Johnson. They're able to just promote him. And then Alex Tanny is a guy we probably don't talk about enough. He's another quarterback's coach. They see him as a kind of a fast-rising uh, coach in the league. And then on defense, for a long time, I thought it was Denard Wilson, their defensive backs coach. But um, in a weird way, you know, you think of the internal uh, promotions as being, you know, that's how you kind of keep the, the standard and that's how you kind of keep what you did last year. But, I think Denard would have changed things. He comes from a different coaching background. He comes from the Todd Bowles, Greg Williams school of thinking, whereas Sean Desai runs those Fangio uh, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. really well. And, and that's what they really liked last year. You, you know, you saw Gannon from year one to year two, one of the biggest differences was they started running all this Fangio stuff. Uh, and that's not really Gannon's background. Now you have a guy who that really is his background. He worked with him in Chicago for many years. So, uh, and it's not just the Fangio thing. I think that's probably minimizing Sean Desai's career a little bit because we've seen from him that he does have a little bit more of Barry background. He'll do uh, some things to mix it up a little bit. And I've heard really good things about him. So I'm kind of curious to see what his defense looks like and uh, curious to see the staff he builds around him because they need to fill a linebacker's coach position. And I'm not so sure Denard Wilson's going to be back as a defensive backs coach. So uh, curious to see what it all looks like. Hey, if you're telling us that the defense is going to change dramatically, I'm not sure that uh, fans would be, in terms of scheme, excuse me, I'm not sure fans would be too upset. Last one for me, and I know we're projecting ahead now by a couple months. The Eagles currently have the 10th and 30th pick in the draft this year. <clears throat> if Dave Zangaro were going to say today what happens with those picks, whether they make them or move them, what would you suggest? I'd say Howie's going to trade. Uh, <laughs> I'd be pretty shocked if he sits there at 10 and 30 and just picks players. That's not really his style. Uh, and it, it's funny, too, because, like, are they going to trade up or down? And it could be either. Uh, it could be both. That's just the way Howie operates. 
uh, you look at that 10th pick and you think, okay, well, if like four quarterbacks go in the top five picks, which mm-hmm. is probable, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably going to happen. Then that means some good players are going to start to slide down the board. And if one of those players they think is like a real big difference maker is there at, you know, seven or eight, it's not crazy to think how he trades up to get them. But, uh, on the flip side of that, they don't have any picks from rounds four through six. So uh, I'd be shocked if they don't pick from rounds four through six. I think they'll find a way uh, to pick up a draft pick here or there, uh, whether it's trading back from 10, or I think it's also possible they trade out of the first round with that 30th pick and add some, some future picks. That's just the way how he operates. And uh, yeah, I think that the most shocking thing would be if they just sit there and take, take players at, at 10 and 30. Real quick for me, Dave, um, we know Howie and the Eagles preach, you know, you don't draft to fill in an immediate need. You draft for the future. You take the best player available, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what, what direction do you think they'd be looking in the first round? It would seem they've got to get a young cornerback in here at some point, right? You would think. I mean, it would be a good year for that. I think there are, you know, a few cornerbacks worthy of first-round picks. And we know the history there, too. They haven't taken one in the first round in 20 years. Toledo Shepard in 2002 so uh, that gives you a little bit of pause I think edge rusher is a big possibility uh, that kind of lines up with where they're picking too so uh, and it might not seem like an immediate need because they have Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick but that third edge rusher in this defense is a big deal they like to rotate so uh, you can see edge rusher you can see interior defensive line too uh, not as many of those guys as there are edge rushers but um yeah, I, they're going to leave the first round with a, a lineman if they draft two players. It's just a matter of whether it comes at 10 or 30 or you know early in the, the draft or, or a little later in that first round. That's the way they do things. Uh, and this year, I think it makes sense. You, you want to replenish on that defensive line because you, you stand to lose quite a few players. Yeah. Well, it is going to be a fascinating offseason after a great regular season. Dave Zangaro is somebody that you should follow. Uh, both in print uh, on the NBC Sports website and on the TV network. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Dave. There you go. They will fill us with storylines from now through the summer. I I don't like the draft at all until the players get picked. And then Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't – yeah. I – Nobody knows anything. No, I, and everybody lies. Yes. Everybody. I learned that from Buddy Ryan. Yep. When I, one of my first stories I ever did in Philadelphia was when Buddy Ryan, what they said, like, oh, Buddy's doing a news conference on the draft. Go go down and you know, be part of it. So mm-hmm. I went down there, and uh, that was me. Somebody said, what, what, what do you think about this Keith Byers out of Ohio State? And he goes, he's a medical reject. <laughs> Not touching him. And then he took him. Yeah. So and turned out to be a pretty good player. Worked out well. Yeah. Sure. Mike in Center City is with us. Mike, I think you're steaming mad about your hockey team. That's what I think. Hey, Glenn. Hey, guys. Hey. Yeah, season ticket holder. Um, and I happen to be down at the Ranger game, unfortunately. And just so you guys know, I usually sell the bulk of my tickets these days or actually give them away. I couldn't give them away. So I said, hey, Rangers are in town. I got to tell you, I, I've been, uh, you know, between um, the Spectrum and the current arena, I've, I've been down there for a lot of years. I, I can't remember another fan base taking over that arena. Nope. And, you know, yeah. it, it's interesting. There was a, a documentary many years ago uh, documenting the uh, Flyers-Rangers rivalry. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, a segment where they talked about the Rangers used to go over the bridge. Everyone's playing cards, hanging out. 
and then they see the spectrum. Yeah. And the whole bus goes quiet. You you guys remember that? Yeah, I know that. How, how far yeah. have we come? <laughs> it's uh, um, yeah, not very far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously. Hey, I really want to talk about the ownership grouping. And, Glenn, I, I agree with you. Um, I would love for them to sell, um, but I don't think it's going to happen. But my, my biggest issue right now, and it has not been talked about, or if it has, people say, well, he's not, he's not running the day-to-day operation. But he's the CEO of Comcast, and that's Brian Roberts. Mm-hmm. Every other owner in this town, and l- l- let me be honest, I don't like everything all the owners say. Um, and that's including Ed Snyder. But you know what I loved about Ed Snyder? At the end of the year, he would be in Voorhees in front of the table. And if the team did not perform well, he would lay it out and take people to the woodshed the way they needed to be taken to. I have not heard from Brian Roberts uh, in eight, nine years since Ed Snyder passed away. To me, at the end of the year, Brian Roberts needs to come out of the Comcast Tower. I'm being nice here. Yeah. And needs to go to Voorhees and address the fan base. Because guess what? There's a lot of season ticket holder uh, people like me that are fed up. You're losing the fans. Brian, you're a very smart CEO, chairman of Comcast. You got to get down and you got to dress your fans. Well, that's interesting. I mean, thank you. And thanks for the input. I mean, Dave Scott is the guy they have out there to whatever degree they have any kind of front man. Yeah. It's an interesting question uh, because when it boils down to it, and this is true, for instance, of Harris Blitzer and Josh Harris's connection to the Sixers. Like, those kinds of owners have so much money and so much else going on that the idea of coming down from the ivory tower to address the people who root for their hockey team or basketball team just the, does the rabble. It doesn't register with them. What is this riffraff? Yeah, <laughs> like I still remember, for instance, and and again, I know Mike mentioned Go Brian back Roberts. To your shanties. <laughs> Mike mentioned Brian Roberts, and I'm drawing a comparison with Josh Harris, but when the whole Brian Colangelo Twitter scandal happened with the Sixers, I can still remember standing outside the Sixers headquarters in Camden and seeing Josh Harris's helicopter, you know, thump down and land and him have to deal with this press conference. And you could just tell this guy was thinking, like, why do I have to deal with this? I'm a bazillionaire. This is stupid. I can't believe this happened. Why do people care about this? That doesn't mean he's right to feel that way. It just means that's the way most of these guys think. Good luck selling five season tickets next year. Yeah. Right? How in the world? I mean, if they don't strike lightning and get Bedard. That's what— Right? How in the world do they sell one season ticket? The amount that thing costs to go to that, what in the world are they going to be able to do to tell people, we're going to be a viable franchise, you should come and watch? Well, the draft is allegedly deep enough that if they got a top five or six pick— the player they would get, even if it's not Connor Bedard, might be good enough to entice people. No, I th- fan, you know, fans aren't going to know that name. Probably not. Um, I mean, the fourth guy, some big six foot four defenseman who's going to turn out to be Darian Hatcher, that may all be great, yeah. but you ain't going to sell one season ticket on that next year. Here's what you do then maybe you promote, and by promote, I don't mean like publicize, I mean move them up faster to the NHL level. A guy like a Carter Gauthier, um, an Elliot Denoyer. Uh, Denoyer, however you pronounce his last name. Well, there you go. Um, I mean, there, there's, there's, that's not going to no, – they have nothing to sell. Not they right now. They have nothing unless they sell. Uh, Lou in South Jersey. Hello, Lou. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Always enjoying your show. Thank you. Thanks, Lou. Uh, the whole thing about Hertz, uh, you know, I'm going to give you three arguments as to why he should get what he deserves. All right, I'm going to try to separate them out real quick. 
first of all, you know, we hear, and, you, you know, apropos of what you're talking about with the Flyers, it's a business. Okay, well, Hertz is a business. He's Jalen Hertz, Inc., okay, and he's got his shot, and he has his opportunity, and he should be treated as a business guy with the same respect that the organization wants to be treated from the fans. That's number one. Number two, we always say, you know, we want a guy who leaves everything on the field, a guy that really understands this city, loves this city, shows it, and he's certainly given us that. And number three, we say we want a role model. We want somebody that our kids can be proud of. This guy is the complete package. And the fact is even a discussion. Now, I understand, you know, I don't mean I don't know it well, but I understand the whole salary cap thing. Mm-hmm. But you, we have literally somebody, if you wanted to design the perfect guy to be your leader, your quarterback, your neighbor, whoever, you, however yeah. you want to describe it, this is the guy. Yeah, they got him. You're yeah. right. And they got him. And yeah. and the fact that there's even a conversation, and, and the other point is, and, and again, I, I have enormous respect for Jeff Lurie and the organization and all that. He, when he bought this thing, it was worth, I think he paid a couple hundred million. It's year. It's worth $195 million. Okay. Yep. It's worth about $4 billion or something like that today. I mean, I don't know the real number. Yeah. It's some cra- crazy number. So, so, and why is it worth that? Because of the guys on the field who at any moment could lose, you know, mobility, but yep. anything could happen. It shouldn't even be a discussion. And, and, and you know what? I'll close with one point. Look what happened when he wasn't in a lineup. That's all you need yeah. to know. Uh, that's very well said. Yeah. That's nicely, nicely said. Thank you for that. It was really um, good. He's right. Yeah. He's right. And, and to that point, you don't have to worry about him going knucklehead. I don't you know what I mean? They really don't. I mean, they're, you know, th- listen, these are young men, right? Mm-hmm. They're 22, 24, 26 years old. And there are some of them, and you've seen this in the league, where guys get a lot of money and they, they, you can't trust them. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do dumb things. No, I don't think so. And the other thing, too, um, is that they went all in as much as they could, I suppose, with Carson Wentz. The difference between Wentz and Hurts, to me, and why Hurts is so much of a surer bet, is that Hurts has actually gone through a measure of challenge and adversity in his career yeah. that Wentz never did. And once he was presented with it, her, uh, Wentz, that is, everything changed for him. And Hertz has already kind of been through that with he's been benched. He's been the guy who caused Carson Wentz to fall apart in 2020. He's dealt with some stuff, man. And he's come out pretty well on the other side of it. On a scale of 1 to 100, what do you think the chances are that Carson Wentz is on an NFL roster next year? One being there's no. absolutely no chance, and right. 100 being yeah, I would say 50-50. Come on, give me at least a All forty-nine. Right. All right, I'll say I'll say fifty-one percent chance. Yes, forty-nine percent no. Okay. My, my re- referencing him for the second time in the show. Marcus Hayes wrote the other day that he thought Wentz should take a year off, step away from football. I think that's a, the right thing. Yeah, because he's got the talent, um, and he has shown an ability to play at a top level. Even within the last two years, not so much this year, but with Indy, there were—I mm-hmm. mean, there were times when he looked really good. Yeah, and then he would just do this head-slappingly dumb, like I think I'll throw with my left hand for my own end zone. <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, just the, the unpopularity and the so on and the poor judgment that came against the Eagles, where he took what, nine sacks. It that was, was that was. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I to won watch. a bet from Ross Tucker that day. You a did? lot of beer. Yeah. Oh uh, wow. Anyway, I think that's a, actually Marcus. 
has a very good idea there because there will be a market for him to come back. There are not enough good quarterbacks in the league that a year from now somebody's not going to say, you know, Carson Wentz took a year off, got smart, that'll work. The, the argument Marcus made, and to your point, I thought it was a good one, was look what happened to Randall Cunningham. Look what happened to Michael Vick. Yeah. Where talented guys who needed to be broken down and built back up again and retaught the position in a new and different and better way Maybe once would benefit from that. Should hire a couple coaches. Yeah. Should hire a, a, a brain coach, mm. whatever you want to call it, a performance coach. Yeah. Should hire definitely a an on-field coach. Should really spend the – I love Marcus's idea. Yeah. Should really spend the year kind of redesigning himself. And I don't just mean from an image point of view. I mean in terms of actually who he is yeah. and how we think. Hey, people can have a third act. Oh, sure. We've seen it. Yeah. Look at John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. I mean, come on. <laughs> Great he came back from the dead, yes, you know? he sure did. Get shorty, man. Love those movies. 215-592-9494. Uh, I see who, Alex in Philly. I, I want to get a baseball call on. Alex, you'll be first up after the break. Everybody else invited to join us. We're going to 1 o'clock. Phillies Pirates Baseball on 94 WP after that. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Let's take out a whole bunch of calls here. We'll go with Alex in Philadelphia. He wants to talk about that young pitcher for the Phillies. We're waiting news, Alex. Hey, what's up, Glenn? How's hey. it going, Mike? Hey, Alex. How are hey, you? This one, I'm doing good. Uh, oh, yeah, I want to talk painter, but uh, also I want to just talk Phillies in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's a better acquisition or, like, timing for, like, a trade turner right now. You get a whole bunch of rule changes and then you sign a guy who's just like – I was looking at his – you know, I haven't been really been keeping up with, like, his spring training stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was watching I was watching some highlights on him. And, you know, you see him, he's like two for three, three for three. He's going to be uh, – man, in a leadoff position, he's going to be incredible. Like, All right. Let me give you and Mike like, some numbers. You give me over-under. Ready? Batting yeah. average, 305. Over-under. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, I'd say over. I'll take the over, too. Okay. Home runs – 23. I'll take the under, but not by much. What do you say? I would take the under. Okay, you take the under. Stolen base is 34. I'll take the over. Over. Ooh. Yep. Speedster, fellas. Oh, he is fast. Yeah. Um, and, and just on Andrew Painter, I know he's 19, um, I, and I hear 97, 98, 99 miles an hour. And the first thing I think of is an elbow injury. So I was just wondering if, <laughs> if um, you know, if these coaches are, – are these coaches, like, saying anything to him or – like, because I was a kid. I know, like, I'm at the pro level, but uh, we had a kid. He was our only but, pitcher. It was just a that's what That's what they throw. And we, we got a bad connection, so I got to let you go. But thanks for the call. Good stuff. That's what they throw these days. Yep. Um, I heard somebody, you know what? I think it was Bill Matz. I was listening to last night on WIP mm-hmm. and he was talking about, remember when Billy Wagner came to the Phillies mm-hmm. and they had the speed gun, the radar. And it was and, like, and if it people, hit a hundred, like, Oh my God, a hundred miles. An and hour. if it was 99, they'd boot. Right. <laughs> which he thought was aimed at him, which right. was dumb. Of course yes. it wasn't aimed at you. Um, but these days you have all these kids coming in from the bullpen and mm-hmm. they're throwing 97, 99, a hundred, 101. That's, the state of the game now. Yes. So Painter is among them. He's not He's not unique in that he he's throws not, that. No, he's not an outlier. And again, assuming everything is okay with his elbow, I think that's part of the reason why 
you have to get him as many pitches at the major league level as possible because there are probably only so many pitches in that arm, even if he's 19. Oh, God, don't say that. What, 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 what? Well, no, I think that's true of any pitcher. I'm not just talking about him. I'm talking about I was anybody. counting on a 15-year career, <laughs> 260 career wins well, for the Phillies. Retire you. the number. Look at you going best-case scenario for, like, Robin Roberts Part 2. Yeah, well, there you go. I'll take a... Cole Hamill. He's, uh, he's coming back. Have you seen that? He's in the Padre. He's in Padres. No, camp. did he get it? He got a gig. He's he is in Padres. Oh, he's, camp. He got an invite. Yeah, at age thirty nine. It's not that old. No, I'm rooting for him. I, Love I, him. Could you imagine him like um, recreating himself as like a Jamie Moyer or oh, Frank Tanana yes, kind of guy? Yes, that would be great. Smart pitcher, man. Yep. He would know how to throw that junk ball by you. Absolutely smart, tough. I would love to see him pull it off. I really he would. is immediately my favorite non-Philly. There you go. I oh, I loved Hamels. Yeah, loved, and love talking to him. He's yeah. a, he was a really smart guy. Um, Rob in Delco, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, what's up, Glenn? What's up, Mike? How you there. doing? Hey, Rob. I'm going to touch on the three teams real fast. I'll listen to your answers off the air. I got the answer for the Flyers. They can just move the team to another city that wants hockey, and we can start over. That's oh God, the, no! no. That's, <laughs> that's the best way to fly. Oh, wait, do they take the name and the colors, and what do we what do no, we get? We no, get something we, new. We keep the name and colors, but they get all the guys and all the players and all the coaches. They right, take whatever. So you're they going want. like a Cleveland Browns kick, like a Mayflower in the middle of the night with the ball in the hole. That's my quick. I wasted yeah. enough time on the Flyers already. Sixers. For once, I want to see Embiid get mad and just say. Good is not good enough. The Sixers are good, but they're not good enough. They play these teams to one possession games, and they can't close the deal. So that's my thought on the Sixers. The Eagles, guys, answer this question for me. I think Hurts should get all the money in the world if he can answer this one question. Mahomes, with lesser talent, propels guys to be better. I know Hurts is good right now, but if he doesn't have the talent around him, is he good enough to make other players better? If he is, then give him the money. If he isn't, then he takes a discount. Mm, well, seems, seems like a trap to me. It, it is a bit of a trap. I, I would say this. First of all, with respect to Patrick Mahomes, he's one of the five, probably one of the five most gifted quarterbacks in the history of the league in terms of what he can do throwing the ball, his intelligence, his mobility. Like he's as good or better than Aaron Rodgers. And, and he, he has a skill set that Jalen Hurts will not have. But we, we can agree on that. We can, but. Jalen Hurts already made this team and the players around him better this past season by his ability to run and what that forced defenses to do and to account for. And by the way, he threw the ball. He was terrific from the pocket this past season. So you don't have to be as good as Patrick Mahomes, who's one of the best ever, to be worthy of a max contract in in the NFL. Andrew in Westchester, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, Andrew. Hey, guys. How are you? Hi, Andrew. Um, so I have two points. Um, my first point is actually about the Flyers. Um, I've been a fan my whole life. Um, I was actually way more of a Flyers fan growing up than a Sixers fan. And if you told me as a kid that would flip, um, I think um, that kid would think you were lying to him. I just can't believe how far um, down from grace they've came. I mean, it's really embarrassing to where the organization is. And then my second point with the Eagles now I'm not very familiar with the salary cap, so just stop me if this is not even possible. Mm. But draft or free agency that can at least play some decent football, like kind of like a Marcus Epps or Reed Blankenship. 
I think it's just really difficult to find another uh, like another corner yeah. that can at least play to a decent level. I, I hear your I hear your point. Uh, there's a few things. One is uh, Gardner Johnson is younger, which I think plays to his advantage, and two is it won't cost as much. Yeah, so, and, and those two things factor. Mike, you may disagree. No, I don't. C.J. Gardner Johnson's 25. Uh, James Bradbury's going to be 30, and it comes down to that. I mean, Bradbury was terrific for them this season, Andrew. Everybody would acknowledge that. But you can keep C.J. here a while, and at, as Glenn said, at less money. Hey, you know one thing we got to talk to, and uh, our producer Dan Wilson's here. We uh, we got to set up the uh, payoff of the stupid football bet, don't we? We do. Yeah, we do. Does Ralph ho- have a table ready for us? Or uh, they will. I was hoping you guys would forget about that. Oh, we don't forget. Uh, but apparently not. No, that's so. not how it works around here. <laughs> yeah, we've lost our producer Kyle Quinn. He is now officially the producer of the midday show on ninety four. Does that mean he doesn't come to? No, the- he comes oh. to the dinner. Come on. Yes. Hey, you're lucky. Last year I had to take three producers out. Did you I, really? Yeah, because we kind of had cow. more of a rotation. Now we. Right. We had Dan and we had uh, Kyle pretty much, okay. but uh, yeah, no, Kyle still gets to go. We get to kind of wish him right. well with the yeah, Last year you got stuck with Frith and Breitmeyer. <laughs> well, you can use the word stuck. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm, I'm stuck with paying for them, I meant. Oh, yes, I did get stuck with paying for them. And let me tell you, Jack Fritz can eat. Uh, and Jay Breitmeyer for a little guy did some damage too. But anyway, let's, uh, let's we work set to set up. up a date. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll enjoy Ralph's. A lot. That's all I had to say about that. I made a stupid base. I know I brought it up. We were talking about how many stolen bases Trey Turner would Yes. Have. So I made a stupid baseball bet with Jody this year. Ah. Although I don't know that we included the producers. But nonetheless, I predicted stolen bases around Major League Baseball will be up 10% or more this year because of changes to the game. He says, eh, they'll be up a little bit. Not that much. <laughs> What do so, you say? so you're saying who wins? Uh, I think you win because you'll be saying Trey Turner, do me a favor, steal some more bases. <laughs> I think you will. <laughs> I think All you're right. right too. We'll come back. We'll grab a few more calls. We'll, freak, we'll find out from Dan Wilson what we forgot to talk about with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack. Now, hey, you tired of dealing with those old drafty, inefficient windows in your house? Maybe it's time you go, Guida. Now, what about that drafty, beat up looking entry door? You painted over that more times you can count, right? So go, Guida. If you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door, go Guida. And what about that sliding patio door? Maybe the garage door you've been meaning to replace. Hey, go Guida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. To help you get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down, up to three full years to pay it off interest-free. That is right. You receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time. What are you waiting for? It is time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Phillies baseball coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, is it a Scott in L.A. game? We know we know it's going to be Scott. Believe it's Scott in L.A., yeah. There you go. Scott in L.A., uh, Phillies against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, what do you got going the rest of the day? Any fun? Uh, home with the kids. Uh, wife is going out to take a look at a used car. 
We have an 09 Camry that is being held together by Elmer's glue and scotch I, tape. I, we have a Camry. Those, those cars last forever. Oh, I st- Although 09, you, you might be pushing. Well, you know, <laughs> it still kicks over in the morning. And yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that if we dropped a nuclear bomb on the greater Philadelphia area, my car would turn over in the morning. So, oh, there you go. All righty. Um, but, yeah. Um, so that's it. That's pretty much it. Just All hanging right. in. Well, there you go. Let's, uh, where's my mouse? There it is. Say hi to Joe and Cheltenham. Hey, Joe. Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Great. Uh, and Mike, I'll just uh, say this, but you're doing more than an average job replacing pos- possibly my favorite columnist. But um, Thanks, Joe. It, the Flyers, uh, Glenn, you'll appreciate this, uh, but uh, the Flyers have gone from a young man in 7, 8, and 9, the most important thing in my life, to indifference today. Yeah. And columnists have a lot to do with it. I mean, if I wanted boxing, it was Elmer Smith and uh, Stan Hockman. Mm-hmm. If I wanted hockey... It was you and Al Morgani, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though your first uh, debut on this great sports debate was about the Phillies uniform. I, I still wow. remember that too, How Joe. Guys, I think. How in the world and, do you guys remember that? Yeah, okay. I'm telling you, I, I remember everything. Yeah, like you back got a good memory. Day, I was seven, eight, and nine. I could tell you the numbers of uh, the Flyers, like yeah. Simone Olay. He got, he got uh, uh, taken by the Kansas City So it, it used to matter to you, 17. Joe, it used to matter to you so much. It doesn't matter to you now, and that is because... So indifferent. Because they've so worn you down? Because it. why? It, it's just not the same. They were the most important thing. And, and when you watched uh, hockey back then, Glenn, and I have a trivia question about the Buffalo Sabres for you, if you'll let me have it, give it to you at the end of the Golden Age. Mm. But uh, you used to have to know the numbers, you know, because like, you couldn't follow it. It was on a little TV or whatever, but you knew every number. I know every number from that era. Yeah. And I, I was there at, uh, when they won the first cup. Yep, we I was there when they won the second cup. Actually, speaking of Buffalo, no, I was I was in the stands. I wasn't when they at the, the game. Cup. Okay, wait, we got to run. Game. So what? What was your question? Okay, all right, trivia question. Yeah, the French Connection. Yeah, tell me, tell me who they were and their numbers. It was uh, sure. It was uh, it was Richard Martin number seven, or Gilbert Perrault number yes. eleven, and it was Rene Robert number twenty-seven. No, 22, right? 22. Darn you, right. Oh, okay. Well, there man. you go. Shame on me. You know what's interesting? Bill Height was number 27. <laughs> Joe, Joe brings up a good point about watching 22. the sport back then, and you know what was different about it compared to today? And this is just the general matter. It doesn't have anything to do with the Flyers. Uh, no helmets. Yeah. And you knew who everybody was. Yep, and the skaters move slower on the ice. Yeah, it was easier to watch. Oh, it looks like they're moving in quicksand <laughs> now. And they skated longer shifts, so, yep. which was part of the reason they skated slower. All right, John in Florida <laughs> wraps it up. Hello, John. Hey, good. Saving the best for last. Thanks, mm-hmm. Glenn. You got um, it. So I got this crazy idea uh, if the fan base, to, uh, for the Philadelphia Flyer fan base to take their team back. What would happen if a group of season ticket holders decided to group, get together and boycott either a game or two? Um, meaning, season ticket holders eat their tickets. I get it would be tough to do, expensive. Nobody doing a walk. Yeah, I, I will never advocate a boycott of anything because I think it's people's right to decide whether or not they want to go. And I don't I don't tell people to go, but I'm I'm just not comfortable telling people not to go. I, I don't want to be part of something like that. And by the way, th- enough fans apparently are not going. Yeah. I mean look look what happened Wednesday night. Um the fact that Several thousand New York Rangers fans were there for that game is telling, and if you are part of the management and ownership of the Flyers, very disturbing. Or at least should you be. hope. You hope. But I don't know what bothers them. I don't. I don't know if the bottom line is you know it's 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 programming for the cable company and it makes money. 
Yeah. And we own the building, and that's it. There, there aren't, there isn't a whole lot of programming on that cable company anymore, though. Well, it's a good beer show. Tremendous beer show. Tonight, yeah. what's brewing? Thanks for the setup. Yeah. Uh, with Todd Zalecki. I enjoyed doing that show. Yeah, looking you did a nice job tonight. with that. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to it. All righty, let us find out from our producer, Dan Wilson. What did we forget to talk about? Well, one thing I have that I didn't even have written down, but just going off what you guys were just talking about, and speaking of just putting the game on TV, apparently the game being blacked out on TNT the other night was only an Xfinity issue, which is kind yeah. of ironic when yes. Comcast owns the yes. team. Yes, yes, and, and you're exactly right. So I'm at home, and I'm watching, actually, I was watching a little bit of Your Honor, a mm. show you ought to be watching. I know. I and know. six is wrong, I'm just flipping it. So oh, let me just see what the Flyers are doing. And, and I went to it, and it's like, because of uh, programming limitations, this cannot be shown in this market. Yeah. I'm thinking, what the hell are they talking about? So I put something on social media, and other people said, like, I'm getting it. And and the only people who weren't getting it are people who get Comcast Xfinity. I understand it's kind of not the same company. The people who run Xfinity are not mm-hmm. the people who run the Flyers. But, my God, it speaks to the just the general – this this – franchise cannot help but step on itself sometimes there are symbolic coincidences yes and this was one of them you said it in a much less profane way than i was about (laughs) to say so good job with that yeah that was terrible uh all right what else dan yeah so here's something i wanted to get to we were discussing andrew painter earlier in the show with tom mccarthy and just uh, you know with the dr gelt as well whether it's the elbow now or the idea of managing his service time and you have some off days in april would you guys be on board with the idea of just waiting a few weeks to bring him up? I know everyone wants to see him on the opening day roster, but I feel like you could get through with a five-man rotation without him, at least in the first few weeks, and kind of manage the off days. They're limiting his innings anyway. I just, I'm not sure if it makes sense at this point to have him on the opening day roster, even if he's okay. Managing his innings for his health is one thing. Managing his innings for his service time is something else. I hate that idea. I hate that Major League Baseball's rules are set up that way. Don't like it. I would think less of the Phillies if they did it for that reason. Um, okay. And that usually would have to be the guy would have to be down in the minors. I forget how long it is. It's like sixty days, yeah, seventy days. So like but I we're I'm I'm I think maybe more amenable to April 23rd. Yeah, but I think you're speaking more to the health end of things rather than the hold his service time. Yeah, not the service time. Yeah. But but I just want to see him get a little work. I mean, if he only pitches seven innings in spring training, are you going to put him on the roster? No, fair enough. Okay. No, I I guess self-imposed, a team-imposed innings limit, wouldn't it make more sense to backload that as opposed to do it right away? Yeah, and they probably aren't going to want to pitch more than, what, 100, 120 innings this year? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, okay. I'm okay with starting. I know it would disappoint everybody because it has been Mm -hmm. the big story, and I've been a little nervous that they pumped it up too much that it will be a huge disappointment for people if he doesn't make it. Mm -hmm. I'd be perfectly happy with him starting again uh, down in the minors and coming up late April. All right, what else? I'll stick with baseball. It's been a week. I know Glenn and Jody, uh, and when I was producing, we discussed this last week after a day of the new rules. After a week, A, what do you guys think of the new pitch clock rules? And B, did you guys see Max Scherzer actually got called for going too fast yesterday, the first one of those. Guy has been known for working quickly, but Robles steps in the box. He's halfway through his windup. I love the new pitch clock rules. Um, I want the game to move like this. I think it's great. Uh, I got no issue with... Whatever players are going to and pitchers are going to try during spring training, they're going to see what rules they can exploit. 
iron all this stuff out in spring training, and hopefully things will go smoother once the regular season starts. I agree with that guy entirely. You know I like it. You got one more? We got to wrap it up for Phillies baseball. Oh, we got to wrap it up. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, I thought we had a little more time. Okay. Anyway, well, fine. Dan Wilson, great job producing. Mike, enjoy your car shopping today. <laughs> I'm off to see a production of The Little Prince at the Players Club of Swarthmore. Well, of huh? which you are now, like, what, owner and proprietor? <laughs> Board of Governors. There we go. Not sure that was a good idea. Anyway, you, you do these things. Um, let's see. I'll be back tomorrow with Jody McDonald. Looking forward to that. Um, I'll see you next week. Actually, I won't. I'm off next week. Yeah, I'll, Rob Ellison, I'll be tag team the go. show next well, week. Well, you know what? Big improvement. So you guys enjoy. Darn people, right. People are going to confuse. Right. The two I don't of have you. to carry him like I got to carry you. People confuse the two of you once in a while. We do right? every yeah. once in a while. Yeah, yeah, no. uh, anyway, Phillies baseball coming up next. Phillies against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Stay tuned. We believe it's Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson. Enjoy that, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you tomorrow morning right here on 94 WIP. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.